Blog Talk Radio. <laughs> Everybody, it's Ted DiBiase, the Million Dollar Man, and you're listening to the Wrestle Talk Podcast. It's out in the night out. You're tuned in to Wrestle Talk. 657-383-1521. We'll be discussing WWE, NXT, Lucha Underground, ROH, Fantasy Wrestling, and we'll have some of the best damn interviews for professional and independent wrestling that you've ever heard. And I'm Joe Lance. Ladies and gentlemen, buckle your seatbelts, keep your arms in the vehicle at all times. Wrestle Talk begins in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1... All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this week's installment of the Wrestle Talk Podcast with Joe and Renee, episode 303, right here on WrestleTalkPodcast.com. You're probably wondering who's on the line right now. This is the media relations director of Dynamo Pro Wrestling, Luke Roberts, and I'm going to be joining you here tonight as a part of the Wrestle Talk Podcast. Right here on the phone, make it a point. Give us a call, 657-383-1521. we got a lot of great things coming up here yet tonight. We've got the High Spot segment coming up. We have Hank Hudson, well-known professional wrestling announcer, who's going to be on the program in about 30 minutes. We also have the FWWC. We're going to have Tony DiNucci on the line at 8.30 this evening. Got a lot of great things to talk about here on tonight's episode of the Russell Talk Podcast at this time. I want to go ahead and bring on the man who's known pretty much throughout the Russell Talk family as one of the hosts of the Russell Talk podcast. He's uh, your friend and mine. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to go and turn things over to the Night Owl. Night Owl, are you there?
six minutes here if my clock serves me correctly. A man who's been around the professional wrestling world for the better part of 45 years. I mean, he's pretty much seen it all and done it all in the world of professional wrestling. We're going to have the FWWC. We're also going to have Tony Danucci, a man that I'm really looking forward to. Had an opportunity to speak with him earlier today, and I got to tell you, I'm really looking forward to a man who's been in the professional wrestling uh, sport for the better part of 32 years. A lot of great information is going to be shared here tonight with the Wrestle Talk Podcast family. And again, I want to send out my congratulations to Nightmare Jones and his wife celebrating their anniversary. I mean, I, I again, I agree with you. It's definitely a worthwhile time to spend some quality time with your significant other. He's going to miss a great show. But you know, everybody who's listening here to the Wrestle Talk podcast, 657-383-1521. I got to tell you, Renee, it's going to be a great show. We also got to thank all of our great sponsors uh, thinking about people uh, like Interstate 70 Sports Media, one of the proud sponsors of the, of the Russell Talk podcast. I know that, that Jeremy Carp and the guys over at Interstate 70 have been doing a lot of great things. we got a lot of great uh, sponsors as well. Casey Kate Dental, we have the Conspiracy Farm with our good friend Jay Hollywood. There's a lot of great sponsors, and they're all supporting, just like the Russell Talk family. You know something, Renee? I think it's time. we got to get a lot of things started here, and we got to get to high spots. But before we get things started... I think you know what it's time for that we have to do each and every week. So I'm going to go ahead and let you go ahead and take care of the introduction so we can get tonight's episode on the roll. All right. And then, Timmy, you better not screw this up because I'm in a foul mood. So, ladies and gentlemen, especially because we're so close to the 4th of July, I want to ask everybody to respectfully remove your caps, place your hands over your heart, as we pay homage, like we've been doing for 303 episodes, to the greatest country on God's green earth, and that's America, dang it. Hit the music now, tonight. Oh, 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 say can you see and the rockets. Uh-oh. I'll make up for it now. For the land of the free. <laughs> you know what to say right here, don't you, uh, Luke Roberts? Uh, I think I can say brings a tear to my eye every time. Every you know, it doesn't, it doesn't have that much... You know, that's, that's one thing I already miss about the show tonight, Renee, is that, 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 that's Joe. I mean, again, I, again, it, it, it's, it's a very important part of the Russell Talk podcast each and every week. But like I say, I, I tried my best, and that's, that's all I can do. Hey, no doubt about it. Well, you know what? Before we move into the high spot segment, ladies and gentlemen, let me also remind you that Rap Bun Engraving continues to be the exclusive producer for these hand-etched, hand-engraved WrestleTalk podcast mugs. I sent out six mugs last week, and guess what, Luke Roberts? We have a 100% satisfaction rating so far on the mugs. We have sold over 40 of them and not had one dissatisfied customer. Why? Because we give it to you quick. They're bar quality. It's 15.6 ounces. That means it fits almost any size beer in there. And scientifically proven to make your beer taste 
17.5% better. And guess what? Come to find out, according to my kids, it works for root beer flows. It works for apple juice. It works for chocolate milk. It works for everything. Everything tastes 17.5% better. You really can't beat that. So if you're ready to order and start customizing your Talk podcast mug, please go ahead and shoot me a DM. It's $20 for the mug with your name engraved on it, plus shipping. We'll have it to you in just a couple of weeks, and you as well can enjoy a cold breath beverage with us during the Wrestle Talk podcast with Renee and Roberts. <laughs> kind of like the sound of that. Kind of like the sound of that. The other thing, the other thing, uh, uh, Skywalker, is we have some great sponsors, but we also have some great affiliates. So allow me to give a big shout out. Uh, to our boy Adam Frex, Talking Dynasty, all things professional football, especially right now that there's no football. I think it's a great way to get caught up on all things pro football. Also, eSports Bar KC, they're opening up July 1st, and you know what that means, amigos? The chances of us having a watch party for SummerSlam are going up, just like the temperatures. Stand by and make sure you guys follow us on social media for more updates on that. And I know you mentioned it, bro, but I got to bring it up just one more time. Wow, wow, wow. Our friends over at the Conspiracy Farm, the man himself, Jay Hollywood, longtime member of the WrestleTalk family, and UFC Hall of Famer Pat Milicic are about to be on Dish TV. They're doing very big things, and we could not be any happier for them. All that said, Skywalker, you know what time it is, baby. Intern Timmy. Cue up that high spots music because we're getting ready to talk all sorts of professional wrestling topics. In turn, Timmy, hit that music. Greetings, Earthlings. We have now taken over your radio. Little low, item Talk family has been doing so as well. 
can you share your thoughts as to what you've seen over the course of the past few days? I would absolutely love to do that, but before I do, let me again remind everybody that this segment is made for the members of the WrestleTalk family. And you know what? If this topic is sensitive to you and you want to talk about maybe backlash or uh, maybe something you saw on Monday Night Raw or AEW last week, like, don't be shy. We can change uh, directions at any given moment, okay? And we can talk about whatever you want to talk about. So dial that number, gang. Again, it is 657 657- Three eight three one five two one. And if you're already watching on the live feed, let us know where you're checking in from. What part of the country are you checking out the Russell Talk podcast tonight? All that said, Skywalker, I have to admit, this does not surprise me. Why? Because it's about damn time that some of these pedophiles, domestic abusers, bullies, and just general assholes be ousted from the professional wrestling profession. We already, as a professional wrestling community, are eager and anxious for the approval of the general public. Shout out to South Jersey. Uh, Joe checking in from Jersey. Love to hear that. Uh, Will, Will DeClue, what's up, brother? St. Louis, Missouri's in the house. Thank you guys for being here. You guys walked in at an interesting moment. You know, Skywalker, like I was saying, it's about damn time some of these things come to light so we can wash away some of the slime balls in this industry. Drain the swamp, so to speak. And I'm happy to see it happening. You know why? Because being a victim of domestic violence myself growing up, it's not easy to speak about it. I remember being afraid to do so because Well, most of my other friends used to get beat up by their dads, too. So who was I really telling? I wasn't going to go to the authorities. I I wasn't going to go tell a family member who would probably say, well, if you got a woman from your dad, you probably had it coming. So for me, growing up, it's not something that I chose to be open about, mainly because I was ashamed of it. And I know what it feels like to live through that and never be able to voice it. Well, now things are changing and people are able to voice their victimhood, and they're doing it. They're doing it, and they're ousting some of the people that are not necessarily helping the public profession, or the public perception of professional wrestling. And to be frank with you, bro, it's about damn time. And I feel so bad for all these people that have been victimized, marginalized, forgotten, downplayed, ignored for all this time because I know what it's like to live with fear. Now, with all that said, and it's almost going to sound like I'm taking everything I just said back, but I'm not because I can feel both ways and you guys will understand by the time I'm done. Here's what I don't approve of. Accusations have destroyed the lives of more people than I can count. Many accusations get slung. As a matter of fact, I've been accused of doing things that I've never done, and I've been convicted in the court of public opinion. So, though it is absolutely encouraging to see people starting to step up and tell their story, I would take everything that you see and read with a grain of salt unless the accuser is a found guilty or there is physical evidence of what the accuser is saying. This country is great for a lot of reasons, mainly because uh, 
you know, beaners such as myself can come into this country initially illegally, go back, come back legally, pay my dues, and live in the greatest and freest country in the whole wide world. But at the same time, guys, due process is part of the greatness of this country. And just asserting accusations, in some cases unfounded accusations, so you can get your social media followers up, is absolutely unacceptable. So just as happy as I am, a Skywalker, to see some of these people that are guilty being exposed, I am just as anxious to see some of these people that are making these stories up or adding to their story just to get social media clout and sympathy, I want them to be treated with the same amount of disdain and cancel culture as the people who are responsible for actually doing these things. Because I'll tell you what, there's a long list, my friends, of people that are being accused, and I would put my bottom dollar that not every single one of them is guilty of exactly what they're being accused of. You know why? Because there's something amongst those ass whoopings I used to catch as a boy, Skywalker, I did learn something from my old pop. And he said, son, typically there's three sides to a story, not two sides like most of us are taught. Three sides. There's side A, side B, and somewhere in the middle is the truth. So be careful to not jump to any conclusions, amigos, because you don't know until you know. Because for a long time, people thought that this planet was flat. And until the moment that it was disproven, it was true. Taking a line from Men in Black number one. Yes, I'm dating myself, and I don't give a damn. So I hope that the accusers who are lying and the people who are guilty of committing these despicable acts are held to the same standard from beginning to end, and I'm anxious to see it play out that way. Those are my thoughts, ladies and gentlemen. We would love to hear yours. We're going to make some time for you guys. I see a couple of callers already on the line, but our buddy Skywalker is actually going to run down the list of some of the more notable people that have been accused, and then we're going to try to sneak in one of you callers. Skywalker, you know what to do, brother. Lay it on us. Well, Renee, I'm going to tell you right now, and you, you brought up a real good point in the idea that there's a lot of things going on here in the world with the speaking out motion, uh, movement. And, and I'm, I'm first going to take just a second here before we get to the callers, before we get to people wanting to discuss the topics here on High Spots tonight. I always look at it this way. I remember when I was a little kid growing up, and I remember – listening to my parents, my aunts, my uncles, my grandparents, my brother. I listened to a lot of people who molded my life. And very early on in my life, they told me and they taught me right and wrong. And now when you're looking at things right now, and I'm, I'm going to tell you right now, I don't I, – I, I, would, I would go into the idea of talking about particular individuals who have already been accused, who have been – singled out, however you would like to put it. But this topic is covering a lot of different promotions. It's covering a lot of different avenues, not just in professional wrestling, but around the world. And I, I, I just want to say, simply put, when it comes down to it, it is difficult to make a statement like this. I mean, it's, it's a life-changing statement to make. But when it comes down to it, 
there's a line between right and wrong. And if you step over that line, it's one of those things that you have to sit down and you have to accept what you've done and you have to accept the repercussions that come from it. And just looking at things right now without even going into particular detail, you look at promotions like the National Wrestling Alliance. You look at promotions like uh, MLW. You look at promotions like Progress Wrestling. You look at promotions like the WWE. You look at NXT UK. You look at Impact Wrestling. I mean, again, this is pretty much across the board in the world of professional wrestling as well as in other avenues. And I'm going to tell you right now, Renee, we're going to have some callers calling in and want to talk about this issue, but I'm going to tell you right now, it's one of those things, it's a sensitive topic, and I'll tell you right now, it's definitely one of those that in 2020, it's it's something that definitely needs to be spoken about. No doubt about it. Well, let's go ahead and speak about it then. I know that uh, in doing your research, you were able to pull some of the more notable names that have had accusations levied towards them. And out of this list, I believe only one of them has actually fully admitted to committed to committing what he's being accused of. And I believe that's the last person on our list. But why don't you do me a favor and rattle off some of the names that have been uh, most recently accused? Well, looking at what we've got here, Renee, right now, and I'm just gonna I'm gonna do a quick count first. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, twelve, fourteen, sixteen, eighteen, twenty, twenty-two, twenty-four that I can pull off the top of the list. And I mean again, you're looking at wrestlers like uh David Starr, Jordan Devlin, um, Dave Lagana, Jim Coronet, um, Jimmy Havoc, uh, gentleman Jack Gallagher, um Soraya Knight, uh, Dave Chris, Joey Ryan. Um, I mean, that, that that's just a few of what's there, Renee. I mean, again, this is one of those where a lot of people have had statements made. And it, it, it's one of those where, I mean, it's, it's to me, it's really kind of making my head spin here as we're, as we're talking about this to look at some of the names that have already been mentioned. And and actually, I think right now, hold on just a second here, Renee. I know that you've uh, got a little bit that you'd like to add here on this topic. So we're going to go ahead and I'm going to throw it back over to you. And then I think we're going to have a caller on the line to talk about this issue as well. Let's do it. Let's have intern Timmy screen that call and let me know when they're ready to come on and go live. Let, let's go ahead and do it. Well, listen, guys, here's how complicated and simple this situation is. Innocent until proven guilty. But at the same time, even if some of these people are never proven guilty, the fact that some of these people that are guilty are being out is going to make enough of a wave, enough of an impact to perk everyone's ears up and hopefully get them to behave a little bit. Because we all know it takes a special kind of individual to be in this crazy business that we know as professional wrestling. That does not mean that there is nothing but crazy people in it. But unfortunately, once again, going back to the well with the old sayings, sometimes one bad apple can spoil the whole tree. And you know what's really terrible, Skywalker? We are on the brink of going back to in-ring action in the fact that we've spent already over 10 minutes Talking about this topic disgusts me because you know what? 
at least a third of the accusations are true. There's no question in my mind. There's no way that this many different people, many of whom have no correlation to each other, have decided to unite under this hashtag and start calling out these predators. I guess my question for you is, and I know Hank Hudson's in the green room eating up all those green M&Ms and that VG water he requested, but I guess let me take it almost to the next step now. Sammy Guevara was one of the people on that list. And I went back and listened to that interview from 2016, and you know what? It was wildly inappropriate. But then I started to think to myself, A, I've heard his apology. Do I accept it, and do I believe he's being sincere? It's subjective. That's up to you. I'll leave that to the court of public opinion. What I do wonder, though, is is part of this situation further evidence of the hypersensitivity of our culture, particularly the pro wrestling community. I mean, if I go on a podcast and I say something like, oh, I'm going to kill that guy. He's such a pain in my ass. Does that actually physically mean that I intend uh, that I want to kill him? I mean, because I usually want to kill somebody every single week when I do the shoot and shout segment. Anybody who's ever heard this show before knows how amped up and fired up I get. I'm going to kill that guy that cut me off in traffic. Does that mean that I'm actually going to go grab my clock and kill the guy? Probably not. Is that in the same vein of what Sammy Guevara was doing? Or did he really mean that he was going to rape Sasha Banks? Again, I will leave it up to your discretion. I'm not one to pass judgment. But, I mean, at what point are we going to believe people when they say I was joking? I mean, obviously he's not acted on it. I've heard comedians say way worse things than what Sammy Guevara said. Or are we virtue signaling? Are people taking this opportunity to talk down on other people to build up their self-esteem? Because if there's one thing I've noticed in the professional wrestling business, and unfortunately it's a bit of a virus, it's people like to slam other people's opinions, thoughts, and beliefs in order to justify their own. I will let all of you, the members of the WrestleTalk family, make that determination on your own. But let's not be so quick to crucify people unjustifiably. At the same time, let's not be so quick to dismiss people's accusations. The key to this whole situation is this, Skywalker. You must allow the details and the facts to come out before you jump on your goddamn, uh, I'm sorry, your gosh darn soapbox and start ranting and virtue signaling. You absolutely have to wait for the facts to play out because if not, one way or another, no matter what side you take, you're likely to end up with some egg on your face. Those are the thoughts of the night out. And I hope well, my- that you guys will take it into consideration when you come up with your own opinion. That's all I got to say about all that. Well, night out, I got to look at one other thing, Jim. I mean, again, we've talked about the speaking out segment, and again, it's going to be one of those things that's definitely going to be talked about in the weeks and months to come. Uh, we do have just a couple more minutes in the high spot segment. I know for a fact that Hank Hudson, as you said earlier, is in the green room getting ready to come on the program in just a couple minutes. Uh, there's a ton of stuff that we could talk about. We could talk about the trade with AJ Styles, Robert Root, and Dolph Ziggler. We could talk about the issues going on with Rey Mysterio, Dominic Mysterio, Aleister Black, and Humberto Carrillo, and Seth Rollins and his group with um, Murphy and um, 
Austin Theory. We can talk about a couple other things, but there's a couple things I want to look at here too, Renee, and just just quickly touch on these two topics. Uh, the first one to look at is the idea that this past Friday night on SmackDown, we saw multiple sides of Bray Wyatt, the fun-loving character that we've kind of grown used to at the Firefly Funhouse over the past few months, and then the return of Bray Wyatt. I can tell you right now, Renee, watching those last few minutes of that conversation between Bray Wyatt and Braun Strowman, that really grabbed my attention. That was one of those where I'm really looking to see what is next between these two men with a very storied rivalry. Can you take just a few seconds and talk about your thoughts of the whole Bray Wyatt, Braun Strowman situation? Well, I've got to say this. For as long as I've waited for Braun Strowman to become a champion, I've not been impressed with his championship run. And now, has he been handicapped? Absolutely. Are we giving a fair judgment based on regular circumstances? Absolutely not. I mean, the guy has been asked to carry the championship, quite honestly, through probably the hardest and most unexpected period in professional wrestling history. We've never, ever, ever, ladies and gentlemen, had a moment in time where there are no fans in the arena. How are we supposed to know if Braun Strowman is over if there are no fans? There's been no fans in the arena throughout his whole championship reign. He needs this. And who better to work with than one of my favorite current wrestlers, and by the end of his career, maybe of all time, Bray Wyatt. I am incredibly excited. I don't want the fiend to go away, though, because I think that this still has a tremendous amount of value, but I think Braun Strowman deserves an opportunity to compete with people on the highest level because he is a champion, and thus far, let's just be honest, the people that they've been lining up against him are just unworthy. They've been keeping him busy by having him fight Miz and Morrison? I mean, come on. You put him through all this crazy crap just to get to where he is now just to go back to doing what you were doing with him before you gave him the championship. In my opinion, it's extremely frustrating. I can only imagine how he feels. And to be honest, I think he deserves better. Though, I will say this, Skywalker, what they did with Bray Wyatt is encouraging, and I'm very much looking forward to see what they're going to do moving forward. Those are my thoughts on that. Well, Renee, i got to tell you right now, I mean, we're getting real close to the end of the high spot segment, but there's one more piece of business I want to talk about here, and it's something that's kind of pretty close to my heart, and I feel very – I, I would be remiss if we didn't talk about it on the high spots today, and that is the AEW TNT Championship. And they've been trying to get wrestlers from all around the country, both inside and outside of AEW, to compete for that TNT Championship. Last week, Ricky Starks, a man who wasn't even in AEW, competes against the American Nightmare Cody for that championship. And i got to tell you right now, it's been the talk of a lot of people in the professional wrestling world and the support they've been giving to the War Horse. 
I mean, I, I cannot tell you how many people have been standing up and saying, give the war horse a shot at the AEW TNT Championship. i got to tell you right now, this man has been around pro wrestling for a number of years. I had an opportunity to see his career in the very early stages in Dynamo Pro Wrestling. And i got to tell you right now, this definitely intrigues me. And if, if AEW is going to be serious about letting the best wrestlers compete for that AEW TNT Championship, I think you've got a golden opportunity here with the War Horse. I'm going to go ahead and send it over to you, Renee. I know you've seen the War Horse in action. You've been at events that the War Horse has stepped inside the squared circle. And I want to get your thoughts as to what you think when it comes to the War Horse and the potential for an opportunity at that TNT championship. Well, I'll tell you what, bro. Not only have I seen the War Horse, not only am I a fan of the War Horse, yours truly has been intelligent enough and blessed enough to book the War Horse. You see, many, many moons ago, I was co-booking a little company known as GWF alongside my former partner, Justin Elijah, and one of the very first people that was on our list was the War Horse, Jake Parnell, formerly known as Jake Parnell. And let me tell you something. There's only one way to sum up the rise of the War Horse, and it's simple. The dude cuts the best promos in independent wrestling today, that's why War Horse rules act. Metal and wrestling is all this dude cares about. And as far as the Wrestle Talk podcast is concerned, give that man his opportunity. He absolutely deserves it. He's done the work. He's got the respect. And man, oh man, is he wildly entertaining, dude. Give the War Horse a shot. If you guys are not following the movement, just look up Warhorse on any social media platform. Find the guy, watch his videos, share them, encourage him, and tag AEW. Because if anybody on the indie scene, especially in the Midwest, deserves an opportunity against Cody Rhodes for the TNT Championship, by golly, it might as well be the Warhorse. Well, Renee, i got to tell you right now, I mean, again, there's a lot of people who've been talking about the War Horse, and we're going to see, only time will tell what happens with the War Horse and the whole AEW TNT Championship situation. You know that's going to have, uh, we had a lot of things we could talk about, but that's going to wrap up our time Skywalker, here tonight. Skywalker, um, let, me, let me stop you right there, because I know Hank is getting ready to come on, but I have one last question for you during the High Spot segment, and it's concerning Dynamo Pro Wrestling, and I'll keep it very brief. You see, a little bit earlier today, and big shout-out, by the way, to uh, Rest, uh, Wrestle Square Pro Wrestling in India for following us here on the Wrestle Talk podcast. It's greatly appreciated. But anyway, I want to get to this real, real quick, and here's, here's what it is. So about 10 hours ago, Tony Esteem from the Art City Mercenaries tweeted out, Art City Mercenaries have a new target. And me being the savvy social media uh, media member, I should say, the savvy media member that I am, or at least claim to be, I said, well, who, Tony Esteem? And he said, none of your business. Wait and see. And I said, well, we have our ways. You're going to see. So, Mr. Media Relations Professional for Dynamo Pro Wrestling, care to break some news on who the Art City Mercenaries might be targeting? Hmm. Spill the tea, well, Robert. Man, I we know you know. I, 
Well, I got to tell you right now, again, you 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 hit right on point in the idea that this is this is very recent. This has been in the course of the last 12 hours. And one thing I can say about the Arch City Mercenaries, both Tony Esteem, Jimmy LaFleur, and now Jack will be third member of the Arch City Mercenaries. These men have gone out there and they've taken a lot of shots at people. They've gone after Ricky Rodriguez. They've gone after the Bum Rush Brothers, Shorty Biggs, and Outcast. And I'm going to tell you right now. I've been doing my work. I've had Chris Rodell. I've had even Drake Lee has been trying to, to, to dig into resources, dig into any possible avenue to get any information. And normally I'm able to give a scoop here on the Russell Talk podcast, but I'm going to tell you right now, as of this point, maybe we'll know more at the end by the end of the show. But I'm going to tell you right now, at this point, I don't know who their next target is, but with them being the Dynamo Pro Tag Team Champions, I'd definitely be keeping my head on a swivel, especially now that the Art City Mercenaries have grown from a two-man team to a three-man team. So, well, like I said, right now, Renee, now that you, you kind of hit me with the question, I'm going to go ahead. I know our guest is here. I'm going to go ahead and do the introduction because this is an interview I have very much been looking forward to. Now, the Wrestle Talk podcast family is in for a treat here this evening. We're going to have in just a few moments a man who has been around professional wrestling pretty much his entire life. Here's a man who first started following professional wrestling all the way back in 1965. Now, to give you the mathematics on that, that's 55 years ago. And one of his dreams as a professional wrestling fan was to be involved in professional wrestling, and he accomplished that dream in 1975. And since that point in time, he's been an announcer, he's been a referee, he's been a correspondent. He has been pretty much a a covered a who's who of of roles within the professional wrestling world. And I got to say. I am very honored and privileged to have here on the show this evening, and Russell Talk family, I hope you'll give him a warm welcome. We're going to go ahead and intern Timmy if you hit the music for our first guest this evening here. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to introduce to you live on the Russell Talk podcast, Mr. Hank Hudson. gentlemen hank hudson are you on the line yes sir i'm right here All thank right, you for like having said, me this is luke rob oh it, it, it's an honor and a privilege to have you here on the program tonight sir like i said i'm talking from one ring announcer one man who's been around professional wrestling for as long as i have as well as the night owl renee martinez who's also with us here this evening this is definitely an interview that i've been looking forward to a lot and i i just want to go ahead and get things started here i know you've been Looking forward to this interview. You've had an opportunity to experience the, the Russell Talk Podcast Green Room, and and I, I got to start off here by asking the question that we ask to almost every guest here on the Russell Talk Podcast, and that is, can you give the listeners of the Russell Talk Podcast just kind of a brief background of what hooked you all those years ago? What brought you to this world that we call professional wrestling? Well, uh, I'm from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. We had a program 
called uh, Studio Wrestling uh, on Channel 11. From It was on from like 1958 through 1974. And as a grade school student, uh, back in uh, 1965, I would hear my friends uh, talk about what happened on Studio Wrestling. So I started watching it around uh, the spring of 1965, and I got hooked on it uh, from there. Uh, and I just couldn't get enough of it over the years. Once I got a car in the mid seventies, I was like looking for shows to go to and got to know a lot of people and got to work the shows. Well, that's a great answer, Hank. And by the way, I'm anxious uh, to be able to get a couple of my questions in because I know Skywalker has been very, very excited about the prospect of speaking with you, especially because on this very rare occasion, all three of us have some ring announcer experience. You by far having the most, uh, uh, Skywalker number two, and myself having done it a handful of times, about a dozen times so far. I'm going to jump ahead of him, because, and I know he's got a bunch more questions, but I do want to ask this real quick. What is the appeal to you in the ring announce function because it's different from every other position in professional wrestling because you know what? You spend more time in the ring than any competitor on the card. Being the ring announcer is such an important job and it's incredibly underrated. So why is that position in particular special to you? Well, the reason I, I got into ring announcing because I like to watch the matches. Uh, when I had the referee, sometimes by necessity, you know, I wouldn't be doing every match, and and to watch the other matches, I had to stand stand in the back somewhere, like I'm seen by the fans. I I ring announce because I like to go to the shows and I get to talk to the wrestlers so I can get their correct names and their correct uh, spelling of their name, and and I keep an archive of all the results that I go to. So Ring Anson gets me into the show for free. It gets me the best seat in the house. It gets me all the information I need because sometimes when I, I go to shows, I can't understand what the Ring Anson is saying. And, you know, it just, uh, and I actually get paid uh, for doing it. Uh, it pays for my expenses to get there. So, you know, I never had any training in it. You know, I never had any public speaking training. I'm just a mark off the streets that uh, just got to know some people and got to do it. <laughs> Same, same. Well, Skywalker, I apologize for jumping ahead of you, man. I'm, I'm gonna let you jump back in here. I know you got some more questions, but I had to ask that to Hank, especially somebody with the many, many years uh, of experience that he has in the business. Go ahead, bro. Well, I got to tell you right now, it makes my heart feel good to know that there's another person out here in the world of professional wrestling that takes notes and has a database like that. I mean, again, having been in the ring as many times as I've been, and I know, Hank, you've been in the ring with countless wrestlers over the course of your 45 years. And I got to tell you, I've been around wrestling now for a better part of 33 years. And, and, and to be around wrestling for 45 years, I mean, that is just an unreal amount of time to be around professional wrestling. Now, I'm going to go, and I'm going to kind of put a little bit of a different spin on this. We talk about what you're, you're doing as far as being a ring announcer. I've got to ask you this question. You've watched professional wrestling. You've been an announcer. You've said it, that being a ring announcer, I would agree with you in a lot of cases, is the best seat in the house. But my question to you is this. When you were growing up, and even in your early days of being in professional wrestling as a ring announcer, was there anybody that you really – Followed anybody that you tried to emulate or to study 
to in, in regards to being a professional wrestling announcer because there are a lot of great people who've been on the microphone as a ring announcer. Did you really have anybody that you studied or or took their their styles or their mannerisms to heart when being a professional wrestling announcer? Question. I know a, a lot of up and coming ring announcers asked me for advice, and I told them just watch everybody. Every time you go to the show, listen to everything the ring announcer says. How he portrays a certain, you know, announcement like an a count out or a disqualification or 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 the referee restarting the match. You know, listen to everybody and find. I, I'm still learning from other ring announcers. They may have a better way of saying things than I do in a certain situation comes up, you know, in the ending of a match or, or uh, whatever. But not one ring announcer uh, really affected me. I, I just watched them all. Uh, there was ones I liked over the years, like um, I know uh, an early WWF uh, ring announcer, Buddy Wagner. I really liked his gravelly voice, and you know Howard Finkel was a, a very good. Um, you know, there's um, there's not that many. You know, in particular that I copy. Just I took a little bit from each one. Well, well, Hank, you you hit something that I really feel that um, is, is a big point. I mean, again, there are a, a lot of there's, it, there's a lot of great people to learn from. You're always learning in the world of professional wrestling. Whether you've been in professional wrestling, you're training to be a professional wrestler, or you've been around professional wrestling as long as many people have been. And, and you mentioned Howard Finkel, a man who recently uh, WWE Hall of Famer, uh, very accomplished man in the world of the, of the WWE WWF. Um, recently passing away. Uh, I know for a fact that they, as a part of the Backlash pay-per-view just a few uh, a few short days ago, uh, kind of paid a, a tribute, if you will, to Howard Finkel as it relates to the uh, matchup between Edge and Randy Orton. My question is, did you get a chance to see that match, and, and how did you feel seeing the WWE give him that kind of a, of a recognition for all the years he put into the WWE. Well, I didn't actually see it. I don't have the WWE network and, and really since they've been wrestling in front of no crowds, I haven't even been watching, uh, you know, SmackDown or raw or, or even AEW, any of them. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, Howard Finkel deserved uh, I just didn't like over the years how they, how they made, you know, made an idiot out of him. Like a lot of times, like over the last couple of decades, they made a fool out of Howard Finkel. They'd talk about him like he was an idiot. Like they used to do that also with um, Michael Cole on, on the commentary. You know, they really disrespected the, the announcers in WWE in particular over the years. You know, yeah, Howard uh, Finkel is an icon. He was very good at his job. He had a, had a tremendous voice. Uh, I kind of remember one time where he screwed up an announcement. He called the, the guy was Haku later. He called, he called him by his old name, King Tonga. I think it was at a WrestleMania. I think it's the one time I can only remember uh, that he actually made a mistake on an announcement. Uh, but, yeah, they, they treated him with a lot of disrespect over the years. But, you know, at least now that, that he's deceased, they're giving him some tribute. Well, well Hank, i got to tell you right now, when you sit there and you talk about Howard Finkel, and, again, he had some moments where they really – they downplayed him, and I mean, I, I can think about times they had him with, with people like Chris Jericho and, and others, kind of kind of making fun of him. But one thing the man had, and, and you kind of mentioned it earlier, is the idea of having that knowledge base, being an encyclopedia of professional wrestling knowledge. I mean, he was very very quick to be able to, to document pro wrestling history, and I mean, again, it was one of those that 
when, when he passed away, a, a wealth of knowledge and, and history of professional wrestling did go with him. Renee, I know that you jumped in earlier, but I'm going to throw things back over to you because I know you've got a lot of questions, uh, not only from yourself, but from, from some of the listeners of the WrestleTalk podcast as we talked with Hank Hudson right here on tonight's episode of the WrestleTalk podcast. Oh, you're right, and I do, and I'm going to jump right into a listener question. Uh, shout out to our friends over in New Jersey. They're checking out the show tonight. Uh, the Rust Talk podcast is indeed global, my friends heard. Uh, up to this point, in at least once, in over 42 countries. That's right. We've been heard at least once, okay, in over 42 countries, something we're extremely proud of. Uh, this one's coming from uh, our friend in South Jersey, and here it is. It sounds like this gentleman has a ton of experience, uh, hoping he can tell us a story about working with some legend during his career. So, there it is. So, Hank, have you shared a locker room with any legends? And if so, are there any cool stories you might be able to share with the listeners of the WrestleTalk podcast tonight? Oh, I've been in with a lot of legends, either on their way up the ladder or on their way down the ladder. Um, I've been an indie ring announcer all my career, you know. Uh, but you know, a lot of the indie shows do have, uh, you know, like a, like a name or two at the top, you know, a special special attraction. Look, I, I started in the uh, mid '70s. I I've done, I've done shows from uh, spanning several great eras of wrestling. Like uh, in the late 70s, early 80s, I started getting – I'm from Pittsburgh, but I was getting shows in the greater Cleveland area that were using a lot of the old Detroit big-time wrestling stars and, and whoa, the Cleveland whoa, 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 NWF hey, stars. Hey, hey, how did Hello? you get booked in Cleveland? How, how did you get booked in Cleveland being from the Steel City? That almost sounds like it makes no sense. How? I know how, I know how Brand Browns fans and Steelers fans are. I want to know how you pulled that off. Well, let me tell you something. I mean, uh, bronze fans and Steelers fans might kill each other if they were in the same room during a game. But the wrestling communities of Cleveland and the wrestling communities of Pittsburgh have had a great relationship uh, since the uh, late 70s, early 80s when I started going to Cleveland. So many indie wrestlers from Cleveland come to Pittsburgh and vice versa. There's been a great exchange of talent over the years. So they're, they're unlike the football fans, they're more civilized, uh, <laughs> the promotions of Cleveland and Pittsburgh. Uh, and well, up there I got to do shows with Bobo Brazil and Dick the Bulldog, Briar, even Johnny Powers I did a, a few with. Uh, one promoter brought him out of retirement in the early 80s. Abdullah the Butcher. I mean, these are guys that the whole card wasn't full filled with talent like this, you know, just near the top of the card. Bulldog Don Ken I worked with, uh, like some of them guys, you know, from uh, those old 70s and 80s era I got to work with up there. Um, and then later on into the 80s and 90s, like once guys were uh, in WWF and then out of WWF, they started doing the indie circuit. I mean, I've done so many shows with Jimmy Superfly, Snooka and Demolition Axe and, uh, you know, this it's Greg the Hammer, Valentine, uh, the Bushwhackers, uh, you know, and, and then I did a lot of shows with the ECW guys out of the 90s, you know, when uh, when uh, ECW, like, faded out, uh, you know, in the late 1990s, early 2000s, uh, you know, so many, like, with guys like Sandman and Raven and uh, uh, Shane uh, Douglas and, you know, so many of them. Man, that that is really cool, and, and... 
Uh, thank you uh, to our friends over there in New Jersey for that great question. And uh, you know what? I think that's one of the other cool aspects of being able to speak to someone such as yourself, Hank. Uh, you're much like me. I got, oh, I should say I kind of re-fell in love with professional wrestling a little bit later uh, than I would have liked. I was already, uh, you know, almost nearing my 30s, and I was like, you know what, I'm not going to physically be able to do this because I have a job, and if I get hurt, you know, messing around doing wrestling, I'm, I could potentially lose my job. So I wanted a way into the business, but I didn't really – I didn't want to miss the show. I didn't want to get in shape. Plus, my wife wouldn't have let me. She would have never signed the waiver. <laughs> but uh, but ring announcing was just one of those things – and I do a lot more commentary than ring announcing, but I was like, wow, you get the best seat in the house, you get paid to be there, and you get to be a part of the action because on many occasions – you get involved and mixed in with the talent on some level or another. Is there any angle, Hank, that you can uh, reminisce about where maybe you were beat up by a superstar or you got to beat up somebody that was bullying you? Because you know they love to do that shtick where the ring announcer is getting bullied by the bad guy, right? At some point, I hope you've gotten some recompense because I'm sure you've been on the wrong end of a lot of that bullying. Oh, here's the, here's the biggest story that everybody always asks me about that knows me. Um, I was doing a lot of shows, you know, with ECW guys, like uh, a promoter in Lorain, Ohio, which is a suburb of Cleveland. He had Sabu, you know, the uh, nephew of the original Sheik, in for a show. And the, actually, after the match, uh, this was unknown to me. Sabu attacked me uh, and, uh, and and ran his spike, had me face down on the ground and ran his spike across my head. And I, and I was ble- bleeding on the floor, you know, real blood. Yeah, he did it. Yeah, he attacked me. <laughs> so did you not know this was going to happen? Well, the promoter said he heard Sabu talking. He thought they were going to, like, do something on me. Uh, and um, and then I found out when it was a double count-out finish between uh, Sabu and uh, Tracy Smothers. So I went up to the ring uh, with Sabu's, wow. like, personal referee, this John Pee Wee Moore was the ref. And I seen, like, a little smirk on his face. And all of a sudden, out of my peripheral vision from the right i saw blur coming and tackling me by the ankles and that's when i was faced on and then i, I suffered the consequences <laughs> oh my goodness dude that's wild and have you ever been able to get any vengeance like i know you've, you've probably been a victim of some of these attacks but have they ever uh, gotten you in, a, in an angle where you're actually able to like finally get over on somebody that's been messing with you because after you know, uh, so many years doing it, I imagine that at some point you've gotten a comeuppance, right? Well, at small-time indie shows, uh, there's a few times where, you know, um, where I was either bullied uh, slightly as a ring announcer or when I was refereeing, and uh, the uh, person would push me, then I'd push him a little harder, and they'd go take a bump on their back, and then the crowd would pop for it. You know, little, little instances like that. Nothing like big vengeance or anything, you know, where, where I gave somebody an airplane spin and threw them out of the ring or something. You know, nothing like that. Yeah. <laughs> no, and, and, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of stay on that topic because I'm, I'm interested. I think people, just by hearing that you've been in the business, for so long would qualify you kind of as, as an old-school guy, not that there's anything, anything at all wrong with that, but, but I guess it kind of leads me into wanting to ask you this question. How do you feel about ring announcers and referees that sell merch, 
that, uh, you know, are working pretty hard to try to get themselves over. Obviously, the more recognition, the more work you get, even as a referee and a ring announcer. And then also those same talents who do do things like that, airplane spins and mix it up with the talent. I've heard uh, people on the more conservative side say, you know what, referees and ring announcers need to stay the hell out of the way and need to let the talent do what the talent does. They're there to put over the talent. But then kind of the newer generation is all for, like, whatever, right? I saw Nick Chin here in Kansas City do a, 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 a moonsault, like, over the top rope and land on, like, 20 guys, and the crowd loved it. So I can definitely see both sides of the argument. What I'm curious is, where do you stand on that? Well, one thing I always said, when a promoter takes a chance – and hiring a like a local radio personality or something because there's instances where I I heard about a show in Cincinnati uh, where it actually had like a ring announcer with some kind of radio personality and he was critiquing the wrestlers like after the match like saying stuff like this this match stunk and this like you know like right on the PA right after the wrestlers wrestled the uh, and it's really worse sometimes with you got guys that promote like a lot you know a lot of wrestlers promote their own shows and wrestle on their own shows and i've seen over right. the years like promoters like promoting shows and and like going up and beating up wrestlers and you know and humiliating putting themselves over at the expense of their talent you know on the microphone and stuff like you know, that really like i mean i don't say anything i'm just a ring announcer uh you know but i sit back there and i like shake my head or smack my head you know <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Well, oh, we had a guy in Pittsburgh who was promoting really... shows, and he's like beating yeah. up. He's slapping around wrestlers on his show. Like, uh, I remember this one uh, promoter. You know, he he was like a, had a bulbous midsection, looked like the Pillsbury Doughboy or the Michelin Man, and he he's beating up like Christian uh, Christian York and Joey Matthews at the same time on a show in Elizabeth, PA. I remember years ago. You know, yeah, actually, like slapping around wrestling, and then they they were they were like rookies then, you know, uh, you know, before they made it like bigger in the sport. The two guys, yeah, they had to like like sell for that full. Oh man, that that's really tough. Well, I love that perspective, and hopefully, there's some young guys. As a matter of fact, I know there's some young guys listening because I'm watching them right now on the Facebook live feed. Take notes, gentlemen and ladies. Some things that are old school are still better than the new school. All you got to do is go out and find it. Uh, that said, uh, Skywalker, you've been very, very patient. And you know what? I know you've got at least a couple of more questions uh, for our uh, illustrious guest here, Hank Hudson. Um, why don't you jump back in here, man, with any uh, thoughts or questions you might have? Well, I got, I got to throw this one out here. And again, this is Renee. You've talked about being around professional wrestling and you talked earlier in the program about being related to talent and being an announcer and, and being involved in professional wrestling. Um, Hank, I got to ask you this question. You've been around professional wrestling for a long time and being around professional wrestling as long as you have. My question is, how would you say professional wrestling uh, from the, from the days of the sixties and seventies and even the early eighties to today, how would you say that professional wrestling has changed? Well, the thing is, I have as, as little interest in today's like major league product uh, than I've ever had. Uh, I still love doing indies because I believe all guys should have a chance to live their dream if they live a, uh, if they weigh 120 pounds or 320. You know, as long as they're properly trained. Uh, you know, but today's professional wrestling, especially WWE, they destroyed this, the heavyweight division. 
you, you know, you got you, they have guys like AJ Styles that should be wrestling in the uh, like the cruiserweights, you know, like like holding the heavyweight title. They've kill, almost killed off the heavyweight division, except for like Lesnar and, and Braun Strowman. And you got guys like Seth Rollins, weighs about maybe like a, like 210 pounds at the best, like holding the title. CM Punk before he went into MMA, like holding the title 434 days. You know, I, I believe at the time that CM Punk probably couldn't have beat anybody on the main roster in a real fight at that time, and they had the guy holding the heavyweight title. I mean, they've killed suspension of disbelief for a lot of the old-school fans, and they've killed the heavyweight division. Uh, back when I was, uh, you know, first watching years ago in the 60s and 70s, you, could sus- you, knew, you knew it was predetermined, but you could suspend disbelief. But just I can't do that anymore with today's like major league product. It, it makes me feel bad about that. Yeah, that, that's difficult. Well, well, and, and I'll tell you what. Uh, go go ahead, Skywalker. I didn't want to take back over, uh, but I did want to comment that that's why here on the Wrestle Talk podcast we're always encouraging people that if something like that turns you off, and I think you'll really like this, Hank. We encourage you to go find something else. I mean, there's NWA. There's tons of great stuff on the indie scene that people need to be on the lookout for. And if there's anything we preach here on the Wrestle Talk podcast is if you don't like a certain type of wrestling, that's okay. It's just like ice cream. You just have to be willing to do the diligence to find it is what it is that you do like. Because we had a guy a couple of weeks ago that was like, oh, man, this wrestling's so soft nowadays. Man, I miss the old ECW days. I'm like, guys, it's out there. It's called CZW. You can find what you want, and the fact that we can go out and look for stuff like NWA, which unfortunately is currently suspended based on some of the things we were talking about early on in the hour, but it's out there. All you have to do is get off your lazy backside and go find it, and that's what I love about wrestling today because the variety is there, and I think that's very important to highlight. Stop wasting your time complaining about professional wrestling. Take the time to go and look and find what it is that you like, because I guarantee it, with as many different com- companies and promotions as there are today, you're going to find it. Would you agree with that, Hank? Oh, yeah, what I do, uh, I don't watch um, WWE anymore. I think once they, they start getting people in the arena again, I'll, I'll t- try to give it another chance. But what I do, um, I, I try to make at least one retro Facebook post today and put it on my Henry Klemkowski, my real name, Facebook page. And, you know, and I got like, you know, a nice following of people that, uh, you know, like the stuff. I, you know, like I say, I go back to 1966, uh, going to live shows and 1975, uh, you know, working on shows. And, and I've done probably at least a thousand retro posts with results and detailed finishes and stuff uh, in the last five years or so. They're all on my Henry Klemkowski Facebook page. Uh, you know, I enjoy writing those. I mean, I, I'm living more in the past now than I am in the present, except I do uh, COVID-19, like, destroyed my indie uh, working schedule. Like, March and, and April, I had a, one or two shows, like, every weekend, and uh, they all got, like, a white by the wayside. Jeez <laughs> Louise, Papa Cheese. Well, we are going to get into the shoot and shout segment here with Hank Hudson in just a matter of moments, but... Skywalker, man, uh, jump back in here, bro. I know you were you still weren't done uh, with your thoughts and questions, so please go ahead. Well, well, actually, I've got one more question. And again, uh, before we go any farther, again, for those that are just tuning in out of the rest of our podcast, Hank Hudson, uh, accomplished professional wrestling uh, announcer. Uh, if you get an opportunity, make it a point and check him out on social media. Check him out as you go on the on the World Wide Web. There's a lot of great things that he presents each and every uh, each and every day. And again, I, I want to say thank you because I've had the opportunity to see some of those posts talking about 
past events and things of the like and being able being here in the St. Louis area, I really feel that being able to see some of these different areas of the country and seeing how they've uh, progressed in the world of professional wrestling really is, is, is a cool avenue that I really recommend a lot of professional wrestling fans to take a look at because it's really something that you'll enjoy. Um, I've got one more question here, and, and my question is very simple. Uh, I was looking back at some of your information and looking back, talking with intern Timmy, and, and i got to tell you, intern Timmy had, had some, some, some research to do when he was talking about some of the names that you brought forward, but uh, one of them that's uh, kind of been in the news lately, for those that have been following on social media, is Bobby Fulton. And I wanted to take just a moment here, um, Hank, and can you share with us uh, your stories or, or, or any um, past history you have with Bobby Fulton? Yeah, well, Bobby Fulton, I met him uh, the day of his first match. Uh, he wasn't—he was a few months short of his 17th birthday. He was only 16 years old. What? He rode with his father. <laughs> Pardon me. Oh, he rode with his father all the way from. Um, yeah, he ran. He rode with his father all the way from Chillicothe, Ohio, to uh, Clarksburg, West Virginia. He had his first match in 1977 as a 16-year-old, and uh, I, I worked with him. Uh, on uh, indie shows for probably his first like three or four years as a wrestler. And then I reconnected with him later after his WCW Crockett days. Um, he started promoting shows and he'd, he'd, he'd use me on a number of his shows as a ring announcer from the like nineties until, uh, you know, to the present day, uh, you know, and I've, I've been, I know he, he's suffering from cancer now. He's, he's, I think he, I think he's a, uh, cancer free but he's still you know the chemo and everything is uh you know still taking a pretty uh good effect on him uh, but yeah yeah bobby yeah, i've known him uh for over 40 years of ring announced his first match uh ring announced johnny gargano's first match and uh and cactus jack's first match and i'm i'm mentioning his book uh, have a nice day you know i got because i gave him his hometown uh that he used for 10 years, Truth or Consequences, New Mexico, from my days as a postal worker. I saw it on postal sacks. You know, he wrote about that in his first book. I read well, Hank, I got to tell you right now, that's, that, that's, awesome. that's really cool that, that you can talk about the idea of Truth or Consequences, New Mexico. I mean, again, that's one of those, that's a story that, that fans, I mean, nobody would have would ever known about that piece of information unless they would have been listening right here to the Russell Talk podcast and having an opportunity to talk with you. And, and i got to tell you, Hank, from, from what we've got here, I mean, there's plenty more we can talk about. And I know that you're, you're a very busy man, but we've got one more little piece of business before we get tonight's interview done. And, Renee, I'm going to go ahead and uh, – because I know this is something that you really look, you really look forward to each and every week. Um, I'm going to go ahead and throw things over to Renee to talk about our last little segment for tonight's uh, – interview with you here on the Russell Talk Podcast. Take it away, Renee. I, I will. And, and before we kick off the shoot and shout segment, and intern Timmy, make sure you have that music queued up because I'm going to hear you in just a second. I did want to highlight something uh, that, that Hank brought up, and that's on his personal Facebook page. That's Henry Klimwoski. K-L-I-N. Klimkowski. K-O. Yeah. Say that again. Uh, Klimkowski. Klim Kowski, that's K-L-I-M-K-O-W-S-K-I, okay? Yes, correct. This is just a small preview of the cool stuff that Hank was talking about, okay? And this is just the title of it. 
It says, uh, this is from earlier today. It says, exactly 25 years ago today, on June 23, 1995, Penn Hills, PA, the Universal Volunteer Fire Department Number 6, annual street fair. This is when we were allowed to hang out as groups of people, ladies and gentlemen, many, many years ago. It says, complete match results of the historic event, first live, presented by Pro Wrestling Express, featuring the original stars from the Pittsburgh Pro Wrestling Academy in North Versailles, PA. I, I'm sure I butchered that, too. My point is... Well, it's, for, it's Versailles. That's what they pronounce it. In France, I'd call it Versailles. Versailles. <laughs> but that pro, the That's guy awesome. that promoted that is a former president of the NWA, uh, Jim Miller. He, 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 they celebrated. It was a small show there, but he he ran some really uh, like big show. He he's uh, one of the most uh, renowned promoters in the history of indie wrestling. Uh, Jim Miller, you know, he, he's run for twenty five years, and uh, you know, and I worked for his group maybe for like half of their shows over their uh, twenty five year history. A great man, Jim Miller. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. These are the kinds of gems that you're going to get from our buddy. Hank Hudson, if you follow him on social media, make sure you do lots and lots of great information. Well, all that said, gentlemen, it is time for us to get into our first featured segment of the show. It's a tradition that we've been doing now for 303 episodes where we welcome our guests to join us in a bit of a therapeutic session. That's right. Everybody's got something that's pissing them off on a Tuesday, and we want to hear about it. I don't care if it's about the traffic. I don't care if it's about how much air is in a bag of potato chips, or you could even make it wrestling-related if you want. But what we need from you, Skywalker and Hank Hudson, is about 20 to 30 seconds about something that's chapping your ass. Question is, are both of you gentlemen game? Yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready if you are, Renee. Awesome. Well, enter, Timmy. We're going to cue up some music. Skywalker will go first, I will go second, and then our illustrious first-hour guest, I'm sorry, Hank Hudson, will close us out. By the time we get there, Hank, you're going to know exactly what we're talking about. Intern Timmy, you know what to do. Hit that shoot and shout music. Can you, can you turn that up for me, Timmy? Can, can you do that? I really appreciate it. Well, gentlemen, I got to tell you right now, the first thing I got to say, is I, got, I actually got two of them tonight. First one is technology is a great thing when it cooperates. I mean, again, I've been having all sorts of technical <laughs> issues here tonight. But, again, making it a point to get things taken care of here. But I got to tell you right now, mine's a little bit of a, a different um, shoot and shout here. I've actually got a shoot and a shout here tonight. The first one is my shoot, and that is the idea of where it goes back to I've had a, a – a, huge amount of problems with customer service. I had a company that's had a lot of problems over the course of the past couple months, and I thought everything was taken care of, and I, I took care of that about a week ago, and imagine my surprise when I get a message a couple of days ago saying, hey, we're sorry to see you leave, and it's kind of odd considering the fact that I've been a part of this organization for a long time, and uh, when, I, when I contacted them, their reply was, we never sent you an email. 
one of those things, if you're going to send out messages, if you're going to make sure that you have something related to a company, make sure you know what you're sending out to people. And i got to tell you right now, i got to throw a special shout-out to all those people who are working hard during this COVID-19 pandemic, the first responders, the hospital employees, all those people who are putting in those tireless hours to make sure that everybody is safe here as we continue to endure this COVID-19 pandemic. Night Owl, I'm going to go ahead and throw things over to you. Luke Roberts, you, I love your shoot and shout, and, and, and I listen, fully and 100% in support of your advocacy of the first responders, but this ain't the time for that. This is time to shoot and shout. This is the time to be angry. This is the time to be upset. And you know what? If it wasn't for this moment, I'm already choked somebody out. I wait for this every single week. And let me tell you what I'm pissed off about today. Not that I am... Not that I'm in denial about how much time I spend on social media. I know it's probably a little bit too much, but I will say I spend very little time on my personal page. It's usually for promoting the show or or causes or events or things like that. But you know what? Every once in a while, I have to admit, I do like to scroll down my timeline and look at awesome stuff like what Hank Hudson posts or Tony DiNucci posts. All this awesome, great information about stuff that I care about. You know what I don't care about? My buddies turning themselves into chicks and then filling my timeline with it. It's weird. It's causing me nightmares. And why do my friends want to to, to see themselves as hot chicks? Every single person that posted one of of those pictures has turned themselves into an attractive lady. Newsflash, ladies and gentlemen. Not every lady is attractive, and most of you bastards would be attractive if you were women anyway. This face app is, is, is doing you way too many favors, and honestly, in some cases, it's kind of making me uncomfortable because some of y'all are looking kind of thick. And I don't like it, so stop sharing that crap on my timeline. I don't want to see my bearded buddies looking like hot chicks. You know why? Because it's freaking weird. It's weird. Nobody wants to see you as a hot chick. I swear. I'll never look at you, some of you guys, the same way again. And guess what? It's all your fault. And that's all I got to say about that. Please, Hank, bring us back down to earth because I am very hot over here. Very hot. Well, what, what my one beef with the, a lot, I see a lot of this in indie wrestling is having the women wrestlers wrestling the men wrestlers in one-on-one matches. Uh, don't get me wrong, I like to see the women wrestlers on the show wrestling the other women, either one-on-one or two-on-two. You know, they're always a great asset to the show. But having like a 120, 130-pound woman wrestling like a 200 to 250-pound man, like one-on-one, and, and beating them, you know, like, uh, you know, uh, you know the, the male wrestler is a heavily trained, you know, highly trained wrestler, just like the female, and, and she's giving up 100 pounds and, and still beating a guy. I mean, I mean, they're not Ronda Rousey or, or a UFC girl or something, but I don't like seeing that. I love seeing the women on the show, but against the other women. And you know what? There's a lot of people that are afraid to say something like that. In turn, Timmy, whenever we get a strong take like that, because, man, oh, man, those were three strong takes right here on the WrestleTalk Podcast Game Show Challenge. Well, we got something for you. Ha! Got he! Ha! Got he! Ha! <laughs> Good times, ladies and gentlemen. Well, Skywalker, I'm going to give you the opportunity.
Jake Hudson, man, what a great interview. And honestly, I feel like we just scratched the surface. Skywalker? Well, well, Hank, first of all, on behalf of the Russell Talk podcast with Joe and Renee, or in this case here, Renee and Luke Roberts, and also on behalf of the Russell Talk podcast family, we want to thank you for coming on the program. And I would agree a thousand percent with Renee on that. We have just scratched the surface, and I really hope that in the future we would have an opportunity to have you come back on the program and talk to you a little bit more about professional wrestling in the northeastern and, and, and I would say the midwestern part of the country. For those that want to find out more about you and also have an opportunity to look at some of those results that you you post on a regular basis on Facebook, how would the listeners of the WrestleTalk podcast be able to follow you and find out more information about Hank Hudson? Well, they could, uh, I guess they could search on uh, Facebook, just search Hank Hudson if they, they can't remember my real name. My Facebook page is under my real name because Facebook was clamping down on people using pseudonyms, and I don't want them eliminating my whole page on account of that. Uh, so it's under Henry Klemkowski, but if they, if they um, search Hank Hudson on uh, Facebook, uh, it should take it right to my page. I found you really easy, Hank. That was no, no issue. I found you real easy. Yeah, there's like five years, maybe like a thousand posts on there, like uh, uh, different shows. Plus, I I have a lot of stuff on the Studio Wrestling Fan Club page on Facebook. Uh, all the uh, Pittsburgh Civic Arena shows, like uh, like covering maybe like 25 years. Like I attended like a good bit of them. Uh, so Studio Wrestling Fan Club page and Hank Hudson, Henry Klimkaz page, plenty of stuff on there. Yeah, make sure you guys give him a follow. Well, the only thing I got to say is this, man. Thank you so much for being an absolutely outstanding first-hour featured guest. And secondly, welcome as the newest member of the WrestleTalk family. We're very, very proud to have you. Hey, thanks for having me, and I'll come back anytime you want me. Thank you very much, and, and, and goodbye. Grace and peace, brother. Adios. 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 <laughs> Skywalker, an amazing first hour of the Wrestle Talk podcast, and we're coming back in two minutes with the world's premier fantasy wrestling promotion. Man, anything you want to hit the people with before we let them go and go to break? Well, you know something, Renee? i got to tell you something. This was a great first guest. Hank Hudson was a phenomenal first guest. And, again, make it a point to follow him on social media. He's got a lot of great information. And you know what, Renee? I was talking uh, earlier on tonight with intern Timmy, and he has a, a, a very special selection that he wants to play during the break. And, actually, he told me we're not going to go a, a full two minutes. We're going to be looking at things probably, I want to say, roughly about a minute and 30 seconds. We've got a lot of people who are going to be calling in related to the FWWC. I know there's several callers that are going to be wanting to talk about things that are going on. So we're going to go ahead and head to the break. And when we come back in a little over a minute's time, we're going to be talking about the FWWC right here on the Russell Talk podcast tonight with Luke and, and Renee right here russeltalkpodcast.com so at this point in time we're going to go ahead and go to the break and we'll be back in just a few and I do mean a few moments y'all what up Night Owl Nightmare Jones 
What up, Wrestle Talk fam? Do it for y'all. Check me out. Kick in the door, wave in the 4-4. Even them haters can't hate us no more. So unlock your door, cause we got some more. Every Wednesday we here, keeping it raw. Night out, nightmare jones, and all the best jets. Like a double barrel pointed right at your chest. WrestleTalksPodcast.com. Smashing and killing it like the night at a prom. Hey, wrestling fans, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat talking at you, and you're listening to the Wrestle Talk Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, we are back. We are back. We are back after an extremely short break. And guess what? We're not even close to being done. You know why? Because it is time for the world's premier fantasy wrestling segment. I know you guys like how I did that. I know you guys like how I did that. Well, during this segment, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to be speaking to the members of the FWWC. That is the World Premier Fantasy Wrestling Promotion. And in this promotion, you've got E-Fetters. What you would know as an E-Fetter, now operating on a completely different level, competing Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, and on weekends during pay-per-views, making selections in order to acquire real, full-size, full-weight pro wrestling championships. That's right. We're not your granddaddy's E-Fed. We are the world's premier fantasy wrestling promotion. And there's a lot of people on hold right now. Enter Timmy. Make sure you're screaming, buddy. I need you. I need you bad. They have something that they want to say. They got something they want to get off their chest. Well, good thing is, We've got about 13, almost 15 minutes to talk to you before we bring in our second featured guest of the evening, Tony DiNucci, on episode 303 of the WTP. I think we're going to get right into the callers, guys. I I really do. And for those of you guys saying that I need to do another freestyle, I may. I may not. I like the one we have. I know it says Wednesday, but we're here on Tuesday. Who's to say we're not going to switch back to Wednesday, so why redo it? But you know what? If you guys want a new freestyle, maybe we can set up like a little Patreon thing, get some money together or whatever, and I will go to the studio with my man Vince Sanity, and we'll go ahead and lay down a full track, not just a couple of verses. We will lay down a full track if you guys are serious about us having a whole new song for the WrestleTalk podcast. But hey. Money talks and BS walks, so we'll have to see about that. Enough about that, though. We have a gentleman who's going to be joining us here on the line who is of high prestige, a man that likes the finer things in life, and whether it's in the music business, as a mogul, behind the turntables, behind the wax, or inside the squirt circle, there's really one way to define the guy, and it's swag. Ladies and gentlemen, representing the Infinite brand, the golden ticket holder himself, Mr. Swag. Mr. Swag, you're live on the WrestleTalk Podcast FWWC segment. Bring the heat. Yo, 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 Night Owl. What is the haps, my man? 
bro, I'm cooler than the other side of the pillow. You know how we get down over here, bro. The question is, what's the hash with you? Well, well, well. As y'all know, last night I faced one KOB because he got his hand caught in a cookie jar, which I'm not allowed to speak about. So he had to face okay. me last night on that golden ticket match. I took it to him last night, you see. But unlike – so I got this golden ticket, but unlike the KOB, I don't just sit on things. So I got a major announcement I want to make, WWC. I am whoa. just one of this golden ticket. Whoa, 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 whoa. I have, you got yes. some breaking news for us tonight? Is that what you're saying? I got some – this is hot off the press, breaking news, uncensored, whatever you want to call it, my man. All right, Mr. Swag, the brand-new golden ticket holder, the number one contender for the hybrid television championship, is taking his golden ticket and cashing it in for SummerSlam for the Warriors Heart Championship. I ain't sitting on this thing. I'm getting after it. Whoa! back-to-back promos of the week. I'm getting number one contendership for that other belt. I got this. I got them hot. I got to strike while the iron's hot. I'm getting the golden ticket. I'm getting after it, my man. They better be on notice. Bishop, coming after that thing, you gonna, you ain't holding it very long, my, my friend. Woo! And there it is, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Swag, number one contender for the hybrid championship and former golden ticket holder, guaranteeing himself a spot in the main event match at FWWC SummerSlam, sponsored by the WrestleTalk Podcast, and potentially hosted by eSports Bar KC in Shawnee, Kansas. We'll have to see about that. Interesting. I got some more callers on the line. You need to stop slacking off. What are you, Cracker Jacks? Who the hell eats Cracker Jacks, bro? Step up your snack game, dude. Oh, my gosh. Somebody needs to educate this job. All right, well, we just talked to somebody from the Infinite brand, and, and I got to get reactions to what Mr. Swag just said. And who better to get a reaction from than a man – oh, my gosh, I'm almost afraid to do this – than from a man who is no stranger to championships himself. Ladies and gentlemen, La Familia member, former FWWC world champion, and a man who is partially responsible for the upcoming FWWC Dark Realm Trios Tournament. That's right, folks. Rise's very own El Diablo. Warriors Heart Championship. Oh, my God. Hey, you must be kidding yourself. 
I can't wait to watch him lose immediately. On Mr. Night Out. Well, Diablo, you always have a lot to say. And you know what? You and Swag have got a, a lot of similarities the way that I'm looking at it. You came in, you made a huge impact from the moment that you got here. You're immediately going for the very top. The question is, do you believe he can walk out of SummerSlam with the Warriors Heart Championship? <laughs> of course not. Are you kidding me? You see, when it came to well, actually, actually now that I think about it, not only did I beat Bishop, but I also beat my brother, Nightmare Jones. And, and Bishop, I seriously doubt it. But we'll see how things come along by then. Because you never know if I'll pop up. And I don't remember if you remember, but when Swag first got here, I had to push his buttons a little bit. But, you know, I backed off because we're on different brands and so and so. But, Mr. Swag, if I were you, once it comes SummerSlam, I would watch your back all over again. Because. The belt might be right there, right in front of you, but I promise things could be took like candy from a baby. Okay, okay. And enough of that, enough of that, because we could talk about that all day. And you know what? There's only one way to prove it, and that's inside the square circle. But there is something that we need some clarity on. We saw a video recently from the La Familia compound, which was very surprising to me. We saw Mafia Money Mayo call out Big T the Paisan. We won't address that today, maybe on Friday for the FWWC Tonight podcast. What I do want to address is this, uh, or address, I should say, five large buy-ins for the Dark Realm Trios Tournament. We saw it kind of hinted to a little bit in that video, but can you clear up to us exactly what that means and when the tournament is actually going to be getting started? We're all very curious, Mr. Diablo, and we're very short on time. Diablo, are you ignoring me? Wow. Okay. Well, no one is surprised because when you ask the La Familia the tough question, they don't have any answers. He wants to come on here and make a bunch of of statements that really have no founding. There's no information to back any of it up. And when you ask somebody like El Doc Diablo of Heaven's Demons a tough question, he goes radio silent. I personally and unfortunately – I'm not surprised. Well, you know what? There's somebody I know we're going to get some answers from, though we are very short on time. We've got Tony Danucci joining us here in a matter of just a couple of moments. But before we get there, we're going to give respect to those folks who have been on hold for a long time. And we're going to go to somebody who I know we're going to get some answers from, and that is one of the three men that defeated Heaven's Demons 
this past Monday in an exhibition match, and that is one half of the FWWC Tag Team Champions, ladies and germs. I'm talking about Mike Voorhees. Night Owl, can you hear me? I want you to listen. After last night, Heaven's Demons found out why you don't mess with Crystal Lake. Because they will sink straight to the bottom. And I also have a surprise for you. At SummerSlam, he is going after... WHC. So, Mr. Swag, listen, and Bishop, listen well. I'm coming, and I will walk out WHC. Whoa. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm telling you right now, based on what we saw just yesterday on an FWWC Live Challenge, Mike Voorhees is not somebody that you want to take lightly. Speaking of another 300-plus pounder that you don't want to take lightly, a man who has recently unleashed his savage side. And I even took notice of how this man isn't necessarily getting the attention and respect that he deserves. I'm very curious to see if he knows why he's not getting that respect. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Savage Beast. Ready, Rick. What's cracking, Night Owl? Let's uh, get straight down to business. We ain't here to cut no Let's introductions. Go. We ain't here to shake no hands. We ain't here to kiss no babies. I'm here to tell you what okay. the deal is. And uh, yes, when it comes to that comment you made about La Familia's El Diablo getting radio silent, you see, that's kind of what happens when he runs his mouth and tells somebody to square up. And when I square up and get it set up, Oh, no, it's rejected. Listen here, you little punk. I'm telling you right here, right now, <clears throat> Susie Hoss, heel deal, whether his hand is up your butt or not, Night Owl and Dewan all got the email, all got the same email. So we're going to see what's going to get popping since you constantly want to run at the mouth. But when it's time to square up, you decide to shut up. So listen here, punk. I'm putting it down right now, anytime, anywhere. I don't care about your God. I don't care about your family. I don't care about none of that. Me and you. Now, on to the second business. Wait, wait a minute, Remy. Remy, it, it, look, it looks like we're being interrupted here. I'm not understanding. 5975, are you with us? Caller 5975, are you with us? Hello. Oh, look who decides to show up. Look who decides to show back up. Look who decides to show back up. I got a serious question for you, and you go right silent, but now when somebody calls you out, you finally show back up. Very impressive, Diablo. You're showing your true La Familia colors right now, sir. Well, I'm I'm sorry that El Mata called the other line, and he's much more important than you are. Then, in another universe, I got word that Remy was over here running his you know what, sucker. So there ain't no getting what I'm running. Like I was speaking facts. Unlike you, I don't like, run. Hey, try to cut me off, you idiot. Now, like you I was trying. You want to be future man-looking goofy son of a bitch? Listen, 
Listen, you idiot. Oh, my God. Listen. Shut up. Put a, put a fork in it. Now, listen. If you Will want you to finish chewing what's in your mouth you, before you speak to me because you sound you, like you're cursed in the fucking stomach. If you want a piece of me, you know what you got to do, idiot. Find two partners if cares to tag up with you and come get some. If you want it one-on-one, I hate to break the bad news, idiots, but you're not on my end, and nobody wants you on it either. So find partners and meet dark brown or stay bitch-made. Excuse my language, Snyder. All right, all right. Well, you know what? WSWWC, and that's all it's going to do. I don't care about your title. I don't care about no tattoo. Why don't you square up and shut up one-on-one? Remy, Remy, listen here. We got to get to Tony Danucci, so you're going to get the last word here, okay? But El Diablo makes a great point. You cannot face him because you're on opposite brands. You understand that, right? So what you're going to have to do is find a couple of people to team up with and potentially beat El Diablo at his own game in the Dark Realm Tournament. The question is, are you actively seeking partners so that you can go and finally face El Diablo. No, because like I told everybody, I don't care about nobody. I don't see anybody fit on any of the three rosters to be my partner. That's the way I stand. That's the way I am. That's the way I've been since day one. The fact of the matter is, yes, I understand this tournament. But when it comes down to facing somebody one-on-one, he ain't got to go on it. He wants to go hide behind the family and, Hide behind rules. But don't we have inter-promotional matches all the time at pay-per-views and such? Yeah, yeah, on special occasions. Are you suggesting that you versus El Diablo happen at FWWC SummerSlam? Is that what you're suggesting? Um, isn't Extreme Rules next? Uh, possibly, but we're not doing any cross-brand stuff at Extreme Rules. I'm sorry. Then set it up for SummerSlam night, Al. All right, well, I'll do the very best that I can. Thank you so much, Remy Ricks. Thank you, everybody else from the FWWC. I know there's still a few of you on hold. Uh, Great showing by all three brands tonight, but we have to move on. Guys, let me remind you, though, you don't have to wait long. This upcoming Friday on the WrestleTalk Network, over at WrestleTalkPodcast.com, we have the exclusive FWWC Tonight podcast, where it's an hour and a half of nothing but the best of the FWWC. Make sure you check us out over at WrestleTalkPodcast.com. I know you guys just barely wet your beats and you wanted to hear what that all was about. Don't worry about it. This upcoming Friday, my man DeJuan Mills, my partner in crime, he'll be right there for you guys for an hour and a half full of FWWC exclusive content. Thank you guys. Much appreciated, but we are going to move on. Now, Skywalker... I know the FWWC is always hard to wrangle, and I think we did a pretty decent job. We only went a few minutes over this time, but I really do believe it is time to get into our second featured guest of the evening, man. Would you please do the honors of introducing this prestigious gentleman? Well, thank you very much, Night Owl, for that introduction, and it's my esteemed honor and privilege to uh, bring on to the show a man who a lot of people in the 
greater Midwestern United States have become very familiar with over the course of his 32 years in the world of professional wrestling. This man's pretty much been all around the world in professional wrestling, uh, whether it's the AWA, USWA, World Wrestling Federation, the uh, American Wrestling Federation. There's countless different promotions this man has been a part of. He's won championship gold all across the country, and it is our honor and privilege to have him on the show. So ladies and gentlemen of the Wrestle Talk podcast, the Wrestle Talk podcast family, please help me welcome our next guest to the Russell Talk podcast, Tony Danucci. Intern Timmy, can you hit the music, please? All right, Tony, are you on the line? I'm here, brother. I'm here. All Hi. right. Well, like I said, this is Luke, this is Luke Roberts. Alongside me tonight is the Night Owl, Renee Martinez. We want to go ahead and welcome you here to the Russell Talk podcast. I'm going to tell you right now, when I had an opportunity to go back and look at the information, I had a lot of wrestlers throughout the course of my career who, when you talk about professional wrestling in the Midwest, you have to mention uh, Tony Danucci and – Tony, and I'm going to ask you a question right off the bat. Looking back at your career, um, can you tell the listeners of the Wrestle Talk podcast what made you decide that professional wrestling was the avenue that you wanted to take uh, in your life? Well, that's a that's a, that's an odd question because I don't know that I was thinking of taking professional wrestling as my career. I was honestly honest. What happened was I was lifting at a gym called Cedar Health and Fitness in Apple Valley. And every wrestler that was, you could imagine that was, you know, Scott Hall, Nails, Shawn Michaels, Marty Jannetty, you name it. Uh, they were, they were all, they were all there. And I was going to do bodybuilding. I was going to compete. I played a little college ball. I was going to do bodybuilding. And Shawn Michaels goes, Bodybuilding? What the hell do you want to do that for? I said, what do you, what do you, what do you want me to do? He goes, why don't you wrestle? And, you know, at, at that time, I'm thinking, you know, those guys are all six foot six. You know, they're all just, you know, I'm just not the kind of guy that they're going to want anyway. Never even gave it a thought. Love to watch it. You know, love to watch it. I, and I, I grew up with those guys all around me. They said, go see Vern. And I kind of laughed. I chuckled. And uh, it was like a week later or something like that. Bert Prentice was their uh, Bert Prentice was actually their their office manager at the time. His name his his wrestling manager name was Christopher Love. And I had a meeting with Vern. And Vern, the first thing he says to me, he goes, "You're Italian." And I said, "Yeah, I'm Italian." He goes, "We could use one of those." And that was the thing that Bert Prentice liked about me is the fact that I was Italian, believe it or not. I went to camp, Pat Tanaka. I don't know if you guys remember Pat Tanaka. Wow. Bad company, uh, the, the Oriental Express with the WWF, the whole nine yards. Of they course. Were, they were, the, they were the, the real big rivals for uh, the Midnight Rockers. And then they were the rivals for the Rockers when they were the Oriental Express. And with the AWA, they were bad company. And then they, they transformed to the Oriental Express. Uh, Paul Diamond became... Uh, Cato, if you remember Cato. 
anyway. Yes, I do. So that's how I got that. into it. And I, I went to camp. That's awesome, man. I started. It was, it was just the most bizarre thing. And uh, there was a whole bunch of guys in camp. I think there was 25 guys. It's 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 nothing like it it, 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 it was then. You know, now you're getting. Some of these guys, it's 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 to go to camp. Then you had to be asked, and very few finished. Now it's it's just a, it's we're just we're at a different time. I mean, you're talking road warriors. You're talking guys that were just beasts. And uh, you know, so I went to this camp and I finished, and I did a few bar shows, which is what they wanted me to do. I, I think I did like maybe a year's worth of bar shows, and they brought me up to the AWA and. Uh, one of my first matches uh, was uh, was uh, tagging with Larry Zabisco. I don't know if you remember Larry Zabisco, but uh, Larry ended up, uh, yeah, he was the announcer for the old, the WCW. He was the heavyweight champion for the AWA. And eventually I, 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 I started tagging with Flying Brian. Do you guys remember Flying Brian? The late Flying Brian Tillman, a very accomplished professional yeah, wrestler. Absolutely. Yes, very much. Yep. His, yep. His he was son a has good been on the show. Say that one more time. I couldn't hear you. Oh, I said his son has been on the show. So, absolutely. We love Flying Brian, man. God rest his soul. I talked to his son on Facebook the other day, and I'm going to bring him up. The likeness of him is unbelievable how much he actually looks like Brian. He's even got a very similar haircut, if you've noticed. Kind of that whole, that whole, I can't remember what you call that cut. Um, I used to have it when I was a kid. You know, long in the back, short on the sides, a little longer on top. And uh, he's got he's got the same look as his dad. Now, I don't know if he's as good of an athlete as his dad, because i tell you what his dad was. You know, he played for the Cincinnati Bengals. The, the guy was an incredible athlete. He was an incredible class act. One of the nicest guys you could ever ask to be around. No ego whatsoever. When I say that, he, he just was, he was the kind of guy that you love to see successful. I never heard him say a bad thing about anybody, and he was just always nice to be around. Every time he came into town, he wouldn't let me pay. Um, we had some good times in me. We really did. I loved him. He was, uh, God bless him. He was, uh, he was the guy that made me when I welcome when I came to the AW. Him and a guy by the name of the old guy that I used to travel with, and I shouldn't say old guy, that's disrespectful, but I used to travel with. Do you remember a guy called Baron Von Raschke, the Claw? The Master of the of Iron Claw. Yes, sir. Yeah, yes. he's, yeah, we traveled together. He traveled him and another guy called the Sheik. And it was the funniest thing because, you know, when you the, the thing that's so different today is a lot of these young guys, I'm going to get out of my house, go to my porch, is my voice carries, my wife's going to kill me. She's old school Italian. If you've seen The Godfather with, oh, my God, if you've ever seen The Godfather with the horse head in the bed, oh, that's not going to be a horse head. That's going to be another head off of my body part if I screw with her. So, anyway, <laughs> they're going to say something. Yes. I mean, it was just the difference today is the guys today, when they come into a locker room, it's it's just so different. You know, when I have my own group, I have a television show that goes to every home in Minnesota, and I've got some opportunities to grow bigger. We've got a phenomenal show, and I'm trying to teach. 
And then I used to, when I went into a locker room, I went and I shook every son of a gun's hand. And I went and sat down and I was waiting to be called on. No, it's, it's not that way anymore. It's just, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm listening to myself and I'm, I'm sounding like the guys did when I was the kid and they were the ones in the locker room kind of telling me how it was. But the difference is I really, we really listened to those guys and we respect those guys. And it really, it really helped you not just in the ring, but the whole way you carried yourself around the business and it's different today. And I, and I hate saying that, but it is, it's real different today. And I wish that it could go back. I'm not saying the, the style of wrestling is phenomenal. I love the high flying. I think, I think that's what it's all about. I think that's what people want to see is all that crazy stuff, which is great because that's what I was kind of known for. I don't know when I wrestled for the AWA when I first started. If I'm talking too much, just tell me to shut up and I'll listen to you guys. Yeah, it, it, it's a podcast. That's what that's what you're here to do, bro. No worries. <laughs> we love the story. Well, it's just when I was with the AWA, I was considered a high flyer. I, I still can say I probably have one of the better splashes you'll ever see in the business. And that's what I was known for. That and I could shop. Uh, Scotty Norton. Uh, do you guys remember Scotty Norton? He was Flash Norton with the WCW. He was, a, he was part of the whole New World Order. He was a big son of a gun, about 310 pounds. Accomplished arm wrestler as well. Or no? Love Scott Norton. Scott Norton, well, accomplished he, he arm wrestler, me, phenomenal power wrestler. Oh, my God. He shot me in a match. He was, I wrestled one half of the Lumberjacks, puts me in the corner, and he chops me. And I am not kidding you. I'm not exaggerating. And I love Scotty. I've known Scotty for 30 years. He shot me so hard that I thought that he went through my chest and he shook hands with the guy in the front row. Never. I, I literally couldn't breathe. And then he says, and then he goes one more time. And, oh, my God. I'm telling you, but that's where I learned how to chop. You know, it was, I, I literally, I ducked his chop and I lit him up. And I'm back in the locker room and I'm thinking, okay. There's going to be a fight. I'm going to have be fighting for my life in about two minutes. And all I heard from across the locker room was, nice fucking chops, Danute. And I'm going, thank you, Jesus. You know, it's like, I mean, this is back in the day. It's just, it's, it's just, and then the, the top rope rule, that's where I was going with, I don't know where I'm going with all this, but the top rope rule they used to have in the, in the AWA, and you couldn't go off the top ropes. And when Vern brought me in, one of the things that I was known for is I could do a front summy off the top, one and a half. I could do a handspring springboard with the elbow, and then I could do a splash. And so they eliminated the uh, the back, uh, the top rope rule when when I was there. It was there for a while, and then they took it away after I got there because they did the whole high-flying thing. And that's when it kind of started. That's, if you, you listen to Eric Bischoff, there's a match where I wrestled Johnny Stewart for the Classics, and he considered me, he goes, he's one of those guys we're hearing about, one of those high flyers. And that's when the business was just really starting to use the top rope, do the do the more aerial stuff. People wanted to see it. And today... I mean, today we are that is that we wouldn't be considered anything in the business uh, with the high flying. No, and that splash was high and probably still one of the higher ones. But I'll tell you what these kids are doing today is phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal. Man, what a Hello. great answer, Skywalker! What do you got, man? 
Well, Renee, I got to tell you right now, we're going to go ahead and we're going to shift things. And again, there, we could talk for hours on the AWA. Talk about wrestlers like Vern Gagne, like Jim Brunzel, uh, early in the career, yeah. like your Ric Flair's, your Ken Patera's, your your Sheik Adnan LKC's, uh, the late Jerry Crusher Blackwell. I mean, there's a lot of names. Can I that tell came you one story the AWA. about Ken Patera? You're, you're telling. I got to tell you one story about Ken Patera. Ken, and then, I, and then we'll be done with the stories. Ken Patera is the craziest son of a gun. I, I traveled with Ken. Ken owned Patera's Fitness Emporium. I've known Kenny. You know, I was a kid doing errands for him and whatever. You know, I was always, I was always older guys, kind of errand boys. I didn't care because I was with the AWA, and I, I got treated pretty damn good for a young kid. We're in the car. We're on our way up to a town called Walker, Minnesota. We got a, we got a show up at a high school up there. And it's a big show. But Tara had a, a, a six-pack open up in the car of my brand-new, you ready for this, Plymouth Sundax. You guys aren't going to even know what it is, but that's just, <laughs> it's an ugly car. Yeah, and I, I was proud Sundance. of it because I financed I it on my own. I've seen a Plymouth Sundance. Yeah. Um, I, dude, I was proud of that car because I was making a living yeah. on wrestling, which not many guys do at that young an age. But anyway, we're almost up to walk two towns before Kenny goes, you know, pull over. I got to, I got to take a leak. Pull over. I said, oh, wait a minute. I said, the gas station had said, I said it was, the gas station was like a mile and a half. There was like a sign that said, it's down. it was like a standard set. Hey, you got to pull over. You got to pull over. We pull over into a bank. It's on a Saturday afternoon. I'd say around four o'clock in the afternoon. The banks close at noon. And he decides he's going to go to the bathroom right there on the parking lot. And I swear to you, a cop comes up on us. And I'm thinking, oh, dear God, we're done. We're done. We ain't going to show. We're going to jail. And because of the fact that it was Ken Patera, Ken ended up, Ken ended up signing one of those, one of the, the speeding ticket deals to uh, right. whatever best wishes Ken Patera. And he said goodbye to us. We went to the damn show. I've never... It was the most unbelievable thing. I, I'm thinking we're done, and he, he signed an autograph, and we went to the show because he was Ken Patera. I don't know anybody else that could have got out of that other than him. Anyway, let's go. We'll talk about what you guys want to do. I'm done. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> well, I'm going to tell you right now, that, you was, know what? You better not that was a story. That's hell yeah. That's, 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 that's what we brought you on here for, man. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous the amount. I lived with uh, Von Erich's ex-girlfriend. It was his girlfriend at the time when I was with USWA. I could tell you things about Terry Von Erich. Not that always good. He's one of the nicest guys you ever want to meet. But he he was inebriated at times. We'll tell you that. Oh, my God, he did some of the funniest things that you ever want to imagine. My main rival with the USWA, did you guys know I wrestled for the Memphis for a true low or two this or no? Well, I said there's a, there were a lot of people that came through the USWA. We talked about Burt Prentice earlier on and how he, he was in, yep. the, in the greater Memphis area and still is to this day. You had wrestlers like uh, the Missouri Tiger. You had wrestlers like yeah, Jeff, uh, Superstar Bill Dundee who's been on the show. Jeff Gaylord, who's my, one of my main rivals when I first got there for about – we rivaled, I would say, for about a month and a half, two months. Jeff Gaylord was one big son of a gun. You just don't find wrestlers like he was like six foot, I'd say five or six for sure. He was every bit as tall as the Harris brothers, which were there, but he was a hell of a lot better built than the Harris. And then Ron and Don were great guys. 
It's not Kowalski. So Ron and Don, okay, so it's Terry Lynn, Jeff Jarrett, myself, and Moondog Spot. We feuded against the Harris brothers, Ryan Christopher, and uh, a guy by the name of Mean Mike Miller. And, oh, my God, that match was nuts. That was that went on. We did that match. We did that. We wrestled. We feuded, I would say, for almost two months. They just, it just kept going, and people kept coming. We would fill that Memphis Coliseum. I got to tell you, that was one of the best territories that I ever wrestled in my life. I learned, I learned so much when I was there. Raymond used to live. Scotty used to live. I used to have Scotty down on a show not too long ago. He used to live there. Where it was Anita before I lived there. If it wouldn't have been for her, I could have never made it. They set me up with the place. I I stayed for free. She fed me. She did my laundry. It was it was absolutely amazing. And uh, I literally talked to Carrie. That's when Carrie couldn't leave the state of Texas. Now, Carrie wrestled with us in the AWA, so I already had known Carrie. But he couldn't leave uh, Texas at that time because he'd, uh, he got a little bit of trouble. But I literally would talk to him every night. Uh, and one hell of a nice guy because he wanted, he wanted, he was working down there, but he wanted to be. That's when USWA was the territory, unless you were from New York. And New York, as you guys know, WWE, you know, we call it New York. We always call it New York. I don't know if the guys still call it today, but uh, that's what we always call it. Oh, my God. Memphis territory was, you know, you're talking about Jerry Lawler. You're talking about a guy that is absolutely, no matter what anybody says, a legend. The guy has been in, and, and, I, and I would travel with him. He was one of the guys that I traveled with. And I just, I've always been fortunate that the organizations that I've gone to, I, uh, I, 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 they always took care of me, I think, for, for as, as good as, the, as good as that they could. You know, they, you know, there's limitations, obviously, money-wise and stuff, but I just was always taken care of. I mean, there was just, I was just very, very blessed to be around the right guys. And I'm going to say that the AWA and the USWA uh, were probably – some of the most incredible experiences that I ever had. I I truly do. You know that Yokozuna came out of the AWA. He was from the Maximus Overdrive. Did you guys know that? I did not know that. No, that's awesome. Yeah, he was Coquinas Maximus Overdrive, and then he got brought up to Vince. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I, I, okay. So another story. Here we go again. But another story. I wrestled, I wrestled, it was on an independent show. It was freaking huge. It was in Blythe, California. And they, they said, uh, we, they put me in a body slam match with Yoko. And, and the guy goes, can you, can you get him up? Well, I know what I can deadlift. and know I've been lifting my entire life. Let's not get him up. I'm telling you, lifting a 445-pound like human being is not like lifting a barbell. I got him up, and you got to realize, this guy's crotch. Literally, you know, when you see a guy slam another guy, his arms kind of wrap around that torso. My arms were perfectly straight, and I've got him, I got him literally on my knees. And I'm thinking, I can do this. I can turn him. I know I can. I go to turn him, and I thought my rib bust. I go, shit, I broke my rib. And then I, and I, I, do, the, I do the quick pin. I, I win, blah, blah, blah. Or I just turn down a quick pin. Just, I get the slam, they get the quick on and I'm starting to see that. That that it was like it was like an amphitheater type deal that we were at. So I remember that you had to go down the stairs and then up the stairs. The referee was saying something to me 
and I couldn't hear him. The next thing I knew, I woke up in the paramedics. I had a, it was called intestinal strangulation. I actually got a hernia. They stuffed my intestines back, taped me up. I got I got a cut on my face because I fell on the stairs and passed out because it, <laughs> I was just like I was being fucked. And then I was in surgery the next day. I took the red. They, they flew me out on the red eye that night, and I was in surgery the next day at about two o'clock in the afternoon because it was a, you couldn't walk. This is a type of hernia because I've I've had two hernias that it, if it slips out. It's not going to come back, and you you literally can die from intestinal strangulation within 15 minutes. It's the most painful thing. I thought it was my rib that was sticking. I mean, I didn't even know there was the pain was so bad. I thought it was the rib. Anyway, what? So what else? I'll do whatever. I'll talk about whatever you guys want. You tell me, and I'm gonna listen. No, dude, Tony. (laughs) No, listen. I'll take over here, Skywalker, and I'll tell you what, Tony. You know, for us uh, here on the Wrestle Talk podcast. Uh, we cover a lot of different demographics. Uh, I'm fortunate enough to have uh, been born in 84, so I have just enough knowledge about the old school and plenty of knowledge about everything that happened from, like, 1994 forward. What I will tell sure. you, though, is that there is a lot of connection between no new school and old school, and I can't help but play into something that you brought up a little bit earlier and that's saying the relationship uh, that you've developed with Brian Pillman and his son, Brian Pillman Jr. So I'm going to kind of put you on the spot here, Tony. Who had a better hairdo, Brian Pillman Sr. or Brian Pillman Jr.? What's your opinion? Honestly, Brian had – okay, so Brian Pillman Jr., from what I've seen, we've talked on Facebook. I'm going to bring in from a show. His hair is nice. Brian Pillman had a ton of hair, and his hair was curly. Dude, he had hair on hair. We used to go to a place called the Cattle Company. Did they have Cattle Company? Where are you guys located? Where are you guys at? Well, I'm based out of Kansas City, and uh, my regular co-host, who's out on his anniversary, uh, Lovey Nightmare, you and Lady Nightmare have a a great night out in town. Uh, but he's usually based out of uh, Martinsburg, West Virginia. So we got a ton they, of coverage. Do they have my cattle host. companies down there? Do they have cattle companies down there or no? No, no cattle co in, in Kansas City, unfortunately. Well, we would we would go there, and I'm going to tell you, there. And I, you know, I had at that time some pretty good hair. Now my hair's not so good anymore; it's getting a little thinner. But there were girls Same. that would come up to Brian and ask to touch his hair. No joke. <laughs> the guy had hair, and he was—he would get embarrassed. And I'm thinking, you're getting embarrassed, and this happens everywhere you go all the time. It's not like it's something new, brother. And he would laugh at me. I go, I go well, how are you embarrassed? Everywhere we go, girls want to touch your hair. It's the weirdest thing, but they would come up. Is that you know? Is it is it naturally curly? You curl your hair, which it was. He would he would have to get haircuts. He literally would have to get his hair thinned out. Because his hair was so thick, so that's got to tell you something. Yeah, he had a ton right, of hair. So so I would say, it's, I would say, it's, I would say, it's Brian did. I really would. That's be mean to. That's be mean senior. to his kid, but. Uh, yeah. Hey, I pinned you against the wall. You had to answer. You answered Brian Pillman Senior, and I don't think anybody blames you for that whatsoever. Whatsoever. Well, listen. Here, here's the other thing I wanted to ask you, Tony, because 
You know, just like uh, when we spoke to Hank Hudson a little bit earlier, uh, legendary ring announcer, 40-year veteran of the business, I'm curious to know, you obviously know quite a bit about the history of the sport, but I'm sure on some level or another, you keep up with the current product. So in honor of my co-host, who is, again, out on his anniversary, and much love to you, Nightmare, and your lovely wife, here's a question he typically, typically asks, and that question is, how do you think professional wrestling has changed since you started in this business many, many years ago? Okay, it's definitely gotten more. It's a lot more high flying than you'll than you'll ever see. But okay, I'm going to be honest with you. One of the things, and here's what I like, and this is one of the things that Cody Rhodes is doing, and that's because I got my buddy. You guys know Jerry Lynn, who Jerry Lynn is. Of course, Jerry Lynn, legendary ECW. Jerry Lynn, he's a very close friend. He's wrestled for me many, many times. I've known Jerry since I've been uh, 19 years old. Tony, he never got to sign with me. Isn't he, he was Tony, just too isn't, little isn't he the, one of the trainers over at AEW? Doesn't he do a lot of their training over there now? Yes. Yeah, yes, he is. And he, has, he, had, he just had recently had a back surgery. I don't think he's back yet. I haven't talked to him for about a month. Because he had to have a surgery hey, on his back. Jerry I'm Lynn. not sure. Yeah, Jerry Lynn, Lynn had a surgery on his back. Got Say you. that again. No, I just hello? wanted to say uh, blessings and get well soon to Jerry Lynn. Okay, one more time. You broke up. I'm sorry. Uh, no worries. I said uh, blessings and get well soon to Jerry Lynn. Yeah, Jerry, Jerry is honestly one of the nicest guys you'll ever want to meet. There's, there's no... There's no exaggeration around there. That's one of the reasons, I'm going to be honest with this business, that he didn't make it as, as big as he probably should. Because I would I would, I wager to say that Jerry Lynn is probably one of the best technical all-around wrestlers that you'll ever see in this ring. I think the only guy that was better than him, he, he couldn't do as much as Jerry. I learned a lot. He was actually assigned to me. So when I wrestled for Bird, he was the guy that watched my matches and would take me back and talk to me. And I would listen. I hung in every word he said. You guys remember a guy, a guy by the name of Nick Bockwinkle? Of course. Well, Nick Bockwinkle was incredible. He could work a stick. He he knew how to make an audience do what he wanted them to do. It didn't matter what way he was doing it. He was incredibly gifted and sound and it's it, it just the thing the thing that's different today and i'm just i'm just gonna i'm just gonna put it out there and i hope you guys don't get upset psychology is almost gone you're seeing spot after spot after spot after spot and for me that's not what makes a good match you need to be involved in what they're doing. When you watch a movie, okay, when you watch a movie and you're seeing it's a, it's a, a action-packed movie, but there's no storyline there. Tell me that you're not looking at your watch after an hour or so of shoot them up, flying off cliffs, cars, or whatever. There's got to be yeah. a story. You've got to be invested Psychology. in it. If you're not invested in it, 
that's the weird thing that I feel that I was I just talked to Jerry about a month ago that Cody Rhodes is doing because he had a freaking good teacher, uh, Virgil or Dusty Rhodes was phenomenal teacher. So uh, that kid really is bringing storylines back. It's just we've kind of gotten away from it because we're trying to appease to a different generation. But the thing that I don't understand that, and even including my own organization, is we're trying to appease to the fans and get the appease to the fans, but they don't know don't know a lot about the business. And I'm saying that in all respect. And if you, we got to we got to get back to some of the basics. We got to get back to the heel face. I watch matches now. I don't I, I don't know who's who. I don't know what's what. I think they got some great, great spots, but nothing means anything anymore. What what means something? When you have five million moves in a match, do you guys know what I'm saying? Do you get what I'm saying? Or am I, or am I, no, no, way no off listen, stage? Tony. Tony, you're not you're not offending anyone on this call whatsoever. It's called substance. And some of us who have been watching wrestling for over twenty years or so. We kind of demand it, and, and I and I actually agree with you, uh, Skywalker. I don't know what you think, but I think that Cody Rhodes, not single-handedly, because there are some no. others that are still doing it, but I think he is yep. one of the guys that's trying to recreate the passion that you saw back in the 70s and early 80s, and yep. I, for one, am extremely grateful. Skywalker, I don't know what you think about it, but I 100% agree with Tony. And here's one, of the, here's one of the problems, too. I'm going to be honest with you. We have territories, territories, real freaking territories. Vince, I, you know what? I had some great paydays there, but he destroyed territories. And what that did was it hurt wrestling as a whole. Now we've got a few. There really isn't, I'm the only guy in Minnesota that runs full-time that actually has an organization that makes a living at it. Uh, that actually, that's all I do. Is I, I I you know I have a television show. Uh, I've got 322,000 households watch our show uh, uh, two Saturdays ago. I don't know about last Saturday, but our numbers are That's pretty good. Ass. But what but what territories did was, you know, you re- you wrestled for the AWA. You went down and you worked for the USWA. You went over to Japan a few times. I worked for Cornette and Knoxville. Developed yourself as a wrestler. You were well rounded. Now. The guys go to NXT and they're in the WWE. And for me, I, 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 I just don't – I'll take the wrestlers, and this is not me because I'm an old guy, because I actually – I'm young at heart. I'm training in my gym with all the young kids still today. But I'll take the old school. I, I'm telling you, we used to feel that mentally. Coliseum. When Jeff Gaylord and I were feeding one of the best because that guy I don't think you realize how big Jeff Gaylord the Missouri Tiger is and I had that audience chanting Tony and I mean for the for literally a 15 minute match that's why that that's why that feud went so long and he didn't necessarily always have good matches but I got I mean I'm just going to put it out there I got the sympathy we told a story and when something happened that was wrong it's either holy shit, they're pissed off, or they're erupting. But you had them. Now, sometimes on on, on the finishes, 
let's be honest, you can hear a pin drop. It doesn't mean anything. You see guys take 10 power bombs and they kick out. What the hell is that about? I've always wondered, you know, and you're going to get mad at me for saying that, but probably not. No, you know, of course not. The world, but I, just, I just think that the art of it is the biggest moneymakers in wrestling are not the guys that do four and a half flips, twists, and gainers, and whatever, you know, all the other moves are nowadays. It's the guys who's the most, let me ask you this. Tell me one thing. Who's the highest paid, most successful actor in Hollywood right now? Uh, the Rock. Absolutely. Now, let me tell you, he was, always, he was the highest paid wrestler probably in wrestling, or one of them. He was right up there. What did he do? What did he do for his finishing move? Uh, the I people, mean, the people really... elbow? You know, you yeah, it was nothing more than like a side slam, if you really think about it. But here's what, here's what I can tell you. If he had the audience eating out of his freaking hand, he could tell a story. He, you know, he's, he wasn't the biggest high spot guy, but he was over. Jay, Number Jay one, Roberts he had a great look. Say that yeah. again. I, I, well, I think Jake Roberts said it best in his Hall of Fame induction speech a couple of years ago. He said, there's nothing like the power of having people's emotions on the palm of your hand. And when you have it in the palm of your hand, you can blank F them. <laughs> so uh, uh, you yeah, have to absolutely. go and listen to this. But, but, but you get what I'm saying. So like, I, we're, we're talking real-ish right here, right? So the yep. ability to have people emotionally invested is really the key to success. And, and uh, Skywalker, I know you're still with us here. Uh, I, I would have to assume that after 30 years in the business, you kind of agree, right? Uh, the, that magic, that skill is not one that is as common as it once was. Do you agree or disagree with that, uh, Luke? To Tony Danucci uh, right Luke. here on the Wrestle Talk. Whoop. Hold on, hold on. Uh, All right, Luke. we're back now. Sorry about that, technology buddy. is great when it. I think you were cut off. No problem. For a technology. I think you were cut off for a second. Yes. Go ahead and start over. Sorry about that. I think you were cut off. Okay. Well, that's not a problem. Again, technology is great when it cooperates with us here at the Wrestle Talk podcast. But I got to tell you right now, I have just been <laughs> sitting back and listening to this interview, and I got to tell you, it's taking me back to what made me get into professional wrestling, the idea of the territory days. And, and I know that Tony was talking about places like Memphis, talking about places like Chicago, Indianapolis, uh, San Francisco, Portland, the, the, the Texas, like your, your San Antonio's, your Houston's, your, your – your, uh, yep. Uh, New Orleans, Louisiana, your Florida, your Georgia, your Mid-Atlantic, all of those things are, are, are taking me back a bit, but I agree completely in the idea that when you look at professional wrestling, it's one of those things of where there are wrestlers that are, are phenomenal aerial specialists, and they can do all the things in the ring. They can do flips, they can do moonsaults, they can do all those things. But one of the things that's always stood out to me, both when I was an in-ring competitor as well as being a referee as a, and now as a commentator in, in media relations for Dynamo Pro Wrestling, is the idea of wrestlers going out there, and Tony, you hit it right on point, and that is going out there and telling a story. I remember when I was a young kid and hearing the stories of my grandfather and my grandmother talking about Harley Race going out there and wrestling for, for an hour and going out there. And, I mean, again, you're talking about things like oh. the elbow 
talking about Harley Race's headbutt. You talk about Terry Funk spinning pole. It was the idea, a lot of people say, of suspending disbelief. And to me, it's one of those things that that is the sign to me of a wrestler. A lot of people say that it factor. To me, that Lost is art, what man. really defines the it. Yeah, it, it, def- it defines that it factor. Somebody who can go out to the ring, and not only can they talk a good game, they can they can look like a million dollars, but they've got to be able, when that bell rings, they've got to be able to get inside the squared circle and be able to compete and do what is a professional wrestling and to me it's one of those where when you look at professional wrestling wrestlers have to be able to go in there and compete and 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 there are just so many facets and i would agree there's a lot of things that wrestlers don't look out for but i can tell you from from and, and tony you were right on point as well the idea of when wrestlers are going in and they're they're learning they're training to be professional wrestlers that is something that you that that wrestlers of the past the past generation need to pass down to these wrestlers so that they know this is what professional wrestling truly is all about yeah, the, the problem, you know, a lot of in these kids, they don't, they don't want to, you know. And I hate saying this because I've got a lot of these the guys in my locker room. They either have the respect or they're gone, and that's. But, but a lot of these kids today, they they don't want they don't want to listen. They don't want to be told. That's you know, let me honest. We're we're being, we're we're in a completely different world than what we were twenty years ago, and we're not in the same world anymore. And the self entitlement. You, you see these kids that come to camp, they they, they don't last because the, the work ethic is different. I'm, and I'm not saying all the guys, you know, but like a kid like Cody Rhodes, different things were installed with him. He had a dad that, that, that taught him the business. I'm not – and when I say the business, the business isn't two and a half flips and a twist and, and then let's, you know, five million times during the right. night. When I see the business, I'm talking about how you carry yourself in the locker room, how you carry yourself outside the locker room, how you lend a hand, how you're humble, how you shut your mouth and you listen to guys that know more than you instead of think instead of talk over them that you know everything. And I gotta tell you, I mean you're talking about Harley Rice. I, I, I was remembering a match in the St. Paul Civic Center, which is now the Excel Center, and it's where AWA used to do the majority of their big shows. We generally had about 32,000 at the show. And Harley Race was not a big high spot guy. And, and, and he's, he's got the heels working on him. And all of a sudden he, he erupts. And they send out the locker room because they, he, he, he erupts. And, they, and he was knocking guys off one by one with simple punches. You couldn't hear yourself think because he knew not just what to do, but he knew how to do it. That that's why I I, I see these guys when when they're telling a match, and I'm thinking, okay, where's the storyline? It's really cool what they do, but yet you could hear a pin drop. Other than the oohs and the ahs, not good because they're not emotionally invested. You, I'm telling you, you can watch a movie that you're enthralled with the story. And you're going, oh, my God. Oh, my God, right. I can't end that way. Are you kidding me? No way. And, and, <laughs> and if it's just an, you know what I mean? And if it's an action-packed sh- movie but no storyline, 
I swear to God, and I love action just like the next guy. I find myself right. looking in the watch because there's no substance. It's like there's no thought put no into it. I like, oh, my God, back in the day, going over a match is so different than what it is today. I mean, there's just it's just spot after spot, and it's cool, and it's really, really cool. But And then right. the other thing is, I'm not going to lie to you. I don't. I don't think that all the guys have to be big jack guys. But let's be honest. Nope. Let's look at that wrestling ring today, and half of them don't look any different than the guys that are drinking beer in the same row. So that's, that's what, me, by what, the way. That's me. Pardon me. <laughs> I said that's me, by Is the that way. Again? The guy that's drinking beer. That's me. That's me. I'm the guy that's drinking and beer. There's nothing the wrong with that, but I think there's got to be some difference. I don't think the guys have to be all bodybuilders, bigger guys, leaner guys, but right. look like something. You know, you know I, I'm telling you, Yokozuna was not a bodybuilder by any means, but let me tell you, when he walked in that ring, people went, oh, my God. Jeff looked at him, oh, my God. Okay, I'm only 5'10 and a half, but let me tell you, I'm a 5'10 and a half, and I'm about a 245 still, and I'm, and I'm a pretty gal darn solid I were I've I worked if you're gonna if you're gonna have a trade and our trade is our trade is that ring. Our trade is wrestling, then what are your tools? Your tools are your skills and your tools are your physical attributes. And yep. let's be honest, think back in the day. What a lot of these guys today that are over or that they're really pushing, do you know what they would have been? 10, 15 years ago in the ring, there was a, there was a word for them, and there's nothing wrong with it because they were very important to the industry. But do you know what a lot of these guys would be today? What do you remember the words? The, what did you call? What did you call the guys that were basically there to lose? What were they called? Do you remember? I don't. They were no, called I don't. jobbers. They were jobbers. Jobbers. And a lot of, a, I didn't want to say it, guys, <laughs> I didn't want to say it, but I got you. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, there are a lot of the guys are jobbers, and, and, and there's, yep. and there's you know, what, I, the industry, the business has gotten really good in some aspect, but to me, it's yes. gotten, it's taken steps backwards. To we need to find a way to bring it all into the same package, where these high flying guys can say, okay, I can do all this, but this is what I really need to work on. I need a, you know, there, there's a guy, and I don't always want to put him over because we bang heads all the time, but a guy, if you guys ever want to go to run a good camp in Minnesota, uh, Ken Kennedy, Ken, Mr. Ken Anderson. Ken, you yeah, guys remember Ken Mr. Anderson, Kennedy at all? Yes, of course. That guy can tell a story, and he's not a high spot guy. A lot of guys don't like him. He had, he had no friction, need. whatever. In the, but, but i got to tell you, I'm going to give Ken props. Cole Cabana is another great example. Say that again. I said Cole Cabana is another great example. Phenomenal. Cole Cabana came up with so when I was working for Steel Domain, he was there, Punk was there, Phil was there. Right. They they were they both you know Phil was uh Phil was what, 15, 16 years old. I mean I, Phil called me. So you gotta hear this. So here's another one. I'm I'm you know I'm done with the wrestling business. I'm doing independent. I'm back in Minnesota. I moved back from Florida. I'm moving to Minnesota. Uh, and this is just when I'm just starting to run my own shows. And I was a finance manager at a car dealership, and I was their marketing director. And he called me, and he had actually was, – he was running a press. He was a printing guy. 
you, if you ever if you ever get him on, you ask him the story. And he called me. And said, <laughs> I'm thinking he's thinking about going down to Louisville, Kentucky, uh, to, uh, to the. Uh, oh, shit. What was their farm league called down there? Danny Davis ran it. Not sure. OVW. I don't want to lie. OVW. Oh, yeah, that's right. Now it's uh, NXT. It's NXT now, right? You you say it's all NXT. OVW right now, Al Snow owns, but it's not a. It's not okay. A, uh, it's, it's not a it's not a, a it's not a WWE. It's the only WWE. I was thinking. I'm sorry. Uh, I was thinking of FCW. That that's that's my yeah, mistake, Tony. I was thinking of FCW. My mistake. Do you guys do you guys remember Danny Davis at all or no? Nightmare Danny Davis down Davis. in the Ohio area, yes. Yes, of course. Danny Davis actually tagged when I was with USWA, she was uh, Bill Dundee's partner. They were called the American Eagle. And that's when his son Jamie Dundee, in fact I just talked to Jamie well, I just talked to Jamie a couple of times. But the last time I really talked to him was when we lost Brian because I I love Brian. Brian was um, I I miss him. Um, he's a good guy. Yeah. Uh, Brian Brian had a heart. Brian just had some you know some tough things that he was going through, and uh, I'll, I'll miss him. It, it was it was Brian Lower. It was it, Brian Lawler. It, it was tough being Brian Lawler. Imagine being Brian Lawler, a professional wrestler, and look at the shoes that he was trying to fill. He was following, you know, Jerry Lawler, the king. You know, we talk about psychology. I remember when Jerry Lawler pulled that strap off, that audience was going crazy. The Memphis, the Memphis people. Oh my God! You, me, and Brian and Jerry traveled together, and anywhere we went. You talk about the king of Memphis. You know, yes, Elvis Presley was incredible. Jerry Lawler was the king of Memphis. That guy, people literally bowed down to him everywhere he went. It was the most unbelievable thing to see. To be able to drive with that guy was absolutely amazing. We always drive it. Brian, you remember the Broncos? You guys remember what the Broncos were? The the the, 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 the sport, the SUVs. That's what Brian Lawler used to have. Just one of the nicest Broncos you could ever imagine. For back in the day, that was he had the brand new Bronco, the Bronco Tour, or whatever it was. And anyway, it's, uh, it's, it's a well, Tony, industry. Go ahead, I'm Tony. Sorry. You know, no, no, I, I want to go ahead and agree with you and say that it, it's definitely changed um, in, in some cases for the better, in some cases for the worse. But you know what? Like we were talking about in the first hour. No matter what your flavor of ice cream, or in this case, your flavor of wrestling is, there is something for everybody. If you like that yeah. high spot stuff, you can find it. If you love the hardcore stuff, you can find it. If you love the old yep. school stuff, you can find it. And I know here in my area, specifically in the Midwest, we've got great promotions like Dynamo Pro Wrestling, SICW, New Breed Wrestling, XWE, and many others. But I know that AWF is near and dear to your heart. Before we close out tonight's interview, man, why don't you tell us a little bit about the flavor of AWF and exactly what style you're trying to keep alive with that absolutely amazing <laughs> AWF promotion that uh, that I guess would I would say is your whole promotion, right? Yeah, it's it's I it's it's my promotion. I started. I would have been AWA. But Greg had sold the rights. I was going to be AWA. I actually have an old AWA ring that I when I first started. 
And it was going to be the AWA, but Greg sold the rights. McMahon owns the rights to all that. Um, the only thing you can see with AWA now online, unless you go into Vince's library, is you can see the yes yep. classics. But when I developed the AWA, I wanted so, and I hope I don't, you guys, I'm just going to shoot with you. So, like my show, I don't use, I don't generally, the only, the only girl that I've ever had on my show was uh, Holly Molly or whatever, Nora. And then I also used, uh, I also used, because Jess is a real close friend of mine, I used ODB oh, two, three times, and she she goes G-version with me. And I've, I've known her for, I've known Jess since she's been 18 years old. And the long story short, so when you watch my show, you're going to see an old school mentality with the high flying. And you're going to see guys that are going to tell a story. Because I will, I mean, I, it'll, uh, some, I, sometimes I'll still get them in the ring. It's not as much because I, at 55 tomorrow, 55 years old tomorrow, I should probably not be in the ring. Hey, happy but, early you know, birthday! That's amazing! Oh, my God. I'm getting <laughs> old, turning, boys. What, you said 50, old, but, 55 tomorrow? No, it is. Oh, it's, it's I can't believe how fast life went by. I I can remember Baron von Raschke and Adnan telling me all these <laughs> stories of how to act, and and now I'm the guy that's doing it. I remember listening to them for hours in the in the in the in the, uh, in the car and thinking, oh my god, oh my god, and and I got to tell you, they were they were they basically Baron used to say, it's me today and it's you tomorrow. That's what if you guys. That's I mean, he always used to tell me, "Hey, it's a new turn. It's we day, and it's you tomorrow." And he was right. It's it's you know, Baron von Raschke is almost eighty years old. I just inducted Baron to the Hall of Fame um, two years ago at one of our casino shows. But anyway, long story short, we're that old school mentality, and with all the high flying, we run our shows. Majority of our shows are all in high schools. Um, our average audience, uh, high schools, is anywhere from 900 to 1,500 people, sometimes 2,000. Our biggest show we ran last That's year amazing. was about 4,200 people. Um, and we draw numbers that other ones don't drop because what I do when I run that show is I did what Vern Gagne did and I did with the old, the old school. They give, we do the shows at the high schools, proceeds go to the high school. And then they pay us to come in, and then we put, we put that show on TV, and people want to be a part of it, and it was really grown. So not not including this year because obviously you know what happened. I average right. about one show every single week, except for December. I run the first two Saturdays in December. I don't run the last two Saturdays, cause, and 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 then this summer, I generally run about I generally run anywhere between four to six shows a week. Uh, four, to six, uh, four to six shows a month uh, during the summer. I generally do anywhere from oh twenty to twenty-five shows in the in, in the summer shows. We do a lot of shows, and we tape we tape all the high school shows, and we tape about two shows a month uh, for uh, the summer shows. Like right now in July, I've got five shows, and then I've got five shows in August, and I've got two shows in September. And go all the way through, and people really do turn in, tune into our show because our 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 television show is part of the. It's the, called the the preps. So they do all the high school state tournaments, and they do all the 
and it's an it's an ABC channel, so we get we go to every nice. home in Minnesota, and, and we have you know I have uh, about twenty two sponsors that do commercials with me. Uh, in fact, uh, 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 the car dealership, uh, they're a Ram dealership, has been with me for almost ten years on TV. John Deere's been with me for almost ten years on TV. Uh, it's it's amazing. Uh, these sponsors have been with me for a long, long time. I'm real, real blessed. But I really do like when I go when I go to a show. I'm gonna ask you guys: Have you ever gone to indie show and you're going, okay, where are the people? Let's be honest. And you, and you see that you won't see that with me. Forty five days out, we start promoting that show, and I mean we promote. I generally have anywhere between two and three hundred. 11 by 17 color glossy posters that are in every business around the surrounding areas. We do ads in the paper. I call into the radio. We do radio talk. Um, and we push this stuff. We, we really, really, really push this. And we, do, we bring a lot of names in. And then we do, we do shows where we don't have. The funny thing is a lot of our guys are names. They're, they're walking around Minnesota. I don't go around many places where, I mean, today I probably got called out two or three times, but I love it. It's not for my ego. It's because I know that the show is working. But when you watch our show, this is what, this is what I what I always tell parents, and I've heard it. I had a gal tell me this, and now I love it, and I tell people, you don't have to be afraid of what you're going to hear or see at my show. You're going to see a ton of action. You're going to see great stories, but you're not going to see junk. I don't. If, if if you to me, if you have to, if you have to have junk, if you have to cuss like a like a sailor, and if you have to, if you have to do certain things, then you better go back to camp and learn your trade and learn how to work a match, because you don't need to do that to get over with an audience. I'm not saying that it doesn't have its place in shows. It doesn't. But I got to tell you. You, do, do you guys know, isn't Jaden Roller down that way now? Uh, actually, yep, Jaden Roller has competed. Uh, he's competed World countless League. promotions here in the area, Dynamo Pro being uh, one of them. New breed. Yeah, yep. Jaden Roller. Like I, Jayden Roller. He's, married, I mean, he's marrying Animal's daughter, Jessica. But uh, yep. Jaden was, was with me. You ask him about our shows. You ask him who draws. I'm not bragging, but we I don't I don't know if there's many independents that we really draw the numbers that we do. I mean, we fill gymnasiums. I mean, when I tell you we fill them, we fill the floor, we fill the bleachers, and it's a big deal. And we make it a big deal, you know, and that's what you have to do. It's just like when a wrestling match, you make that match, it's a big deal. You know, it's it's bigger than life, and that's what it should be. That's what people people want when they go to a show. Here's what they want. They want to forget their lousy day that they've had, and they want yeah. to have two hours where they want to come into our world, and they want us to take them into our world, and they just want to have a good time, and they want to be involved. Audience, and that's why telling a story is so important. You guys, the audience wants to be involved. It's not about the guys in the ring. It's about the people in the seats. And when the guys are doing 100%. all the high flying that we're talking about, it's great. But a lot of it is for their ego and not for the audience. And I don't even know if that makes any sense to you guys, but no, it does. Way, it's the way it I does. feel. So. Hey, hey, Tony, Tony, they, they call it, and we brought attention to it many times here on the show, which is why I think we're both beloved and hated here on the Wrestle Talk podcast. It, 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 
and here's what we call it, Luke. Uh, I know we got to close here uh, out of the respect of time for everybody that's yep. listening, and of course Tony Benucci, but it's called popping the boys. You're more interested in getting cheers when you get back to the locker room than you are in getting cheers from the crowd. And, and unfortunately, as valuable as the boys in the back are, they're nothing without the people paying to sit their butts in those chairs. So I, I completely agree, and I think that that philosophy is part of, as great as wrestling is now, it, it, it is part of one of those problems that needs to be identified and resolved along with the lack of storytelling. Skywalker, why don't you I, I jump in and help close this out, man? You just said something. You just said something that is so unbelievably true. Popping the boys. When I was done with the match and I watched, I knew what I did right. Everybody, you know what you do good in a match. You don't need anybody to tell you that. You know, obviously, what you did well. You can Bobby hear it. You can he hear say, it, Tony. That's exactly how he would say it. He'd go, Mr. Danucci, come, let's talk. And my heart was pumping a mile a minute because right. I knew it was about to happen. We'd sit down, and he says, what do you feel that you did right? And I knew not to say a whole lot, so I said a couple things. What do you feel that you could have done better? And I would say a few things, and then he would say a whole lot, but it would make sense. He goes, and he would never run me into the ground. He said, well, what if you did it this way? What do you think if you would have done it this way? Or maybe done this. And I'm going to tell you, I learned so much, and if we could do that today where we could really teach, you know, there, there's guys up in the office in New York that that's the way, and, and that's why I'm not, that's why I see what I see when there's guys that that's the way they were raised in the business that are up there now, not going to mention any names, that know the business. And a guy that knows how to tell a story, do you guys know who Adam Pierce is? Who, who said that again? Iron Adam Pierce. Oh, Adam, yeah, Pierce, Adam of course. Pierce. He's in he's in hey, he worked relations here in Kansas up there. City. Uh, worked here in Kansas City for several years. That guy can tell a story. He worked with us in Steel Domain. He was he's been he got he got released from for some reason from the NXT group. That guy could tell a story, and he's up there. And there's other guys up there. I wish they had a little more power in the the story. The story. T- and Vince is a genius. No matter what anybody he says. Is. Vince is a genius. Vince is Vince brought money to the game. Vince is a marketing genius. He's a story Big genius. Uh, you know, Big and I got to tell you, when I was around him, he demanded respect. I was scared to death of him. Uh, I only spoke to him when I got talked. Well, to him. Tony, 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 Tony. I'm going to stop you right there. And here's yep. the part of the biz that nobody likes. We actually want to save the Vince McMahon story for your next visit. Okay? okay. I know this is very All hard. Right. I got listeners that are ruining me right now. <laughs> Listen, just just hang tight. We do have to wrap because we're just a, a few minutes over already. But yep. you got to promise us, Tony, that you'll come back on the show because even though we've been going here for about 52 minutes, I think that we're just scratching the surface. And I want to give my partner in crime tonight – Luke Roberts, an opportunity to jump in and, and help me close the show because that's what we do. This is the entertainment business. This is showbiz. 
why would we give it all to you guys on our very first interview with Tony Danucci? We're going to do this again very, very soon, and we've got some WWE stories coming up for you guys that we haven't even got into tonight with Tony Danucci. We're going to talk gentlemen. about we're going to talk about Sean Waltman too. Uh, if you guys yes. want to hear about that, baby, let's funny go. Xbox stories. Oh yeah, <laughs> dude, I am so ready for that. X- Xbox when he worked for us. I'll give you plenty of stuff. And, and, and I love him. He's a great guy. So he's a he's a funny yeah, you guy when you get to know him too. Fo- guys, follow Tony Danucci on social media. Uh Skywalker, jump back in here and help me close, man. We're we're way over time, but I think it was so worth it for two incredible interviews tonight. Man, our our buddy Hank Hansen absolutely killed it. Tony Danucci is just getting started, and I promise you guys, on his next visit, he's going to go into some some Xbox stories and some Vince McMahon stories and, and way more stuff. But uh, Luke, Luke Roberts, please help me close out uh, tonight's episode, episode 303, believe it or not, of the Wrestle Talk podcast. Well, Renee, first of all, I got to say that tonight's episode has been nothing short of awesome and takes me back to the day of when I first started getting into the professional wrestling. Uh, the sport of professional wrestling back in the in the late 80s, early 90s here in the St. Louis area. And, and Tony, I want to say thank you on behalf, not just on behalf of the WrestleTalk family, but I want to say thank you on behalf of myself and the Night Owl, Renee Martinez, because this has been a great opportunity to learn about professional wrestling, both past, present, and future. And, you know, sitting here real quick, I got I got to share this. From what I've been seeing on, on the Facebook and the, and the Twitter and all the feeds all night, I think that, that the uh, – also been given their round of applause here tonight. Tony, real quick, uh, before we get things going here tonight and before we wrap things up, for those who want to find out more about Tony Danucci and find out more about AWF, where can they find out more about you and the AWF? Just go to ProAWF.com, ProAWF.com. You can check out our website. In fact, the guy that does my website, my lawyer, was Vern Gagne's lawyer and worked in the office for Vern back in the day and He does, oh my God, you'll see the photos, the matches, the video, you name it. And then you can go to YouTube and just go to Pro AWF on the YouTube, and you're going to find AWF videos all over the place. We've got episode after episode after episode. I was just just watching watching an episode with the guy today. Uh, He wanted to watch it, one of the the sponsors from where we're running in another town, actually in Wisconsin. And so he was he was asking me about one of the matches that we did in Hutchinson, Minnesota. I wrestled, wrestled a guy named Udo. I couldn't believe the amount of people that have gone and watched that one video. And actually, it was, it was it was amazing. It was like it was something like I mean, for me, it seemed like a lot. It was like twenty two thousand views. I think that's quite a few people. So anyway, that's amazing. So go to proawf dot com our website, and then you can go to YouTube. You can find Pro AWF there. So we're all over the Galvan place. Well, I got to tell you right uh, now, too, you if you go, go to guys. the AWF page, if you go to the AWF page yep. on YouTube as well, you can also catch, and I believe it was a few months ago, talking about the uh, an episode showcasing some of the best matches of Tony Danucci. Make it a point to go check them out on YouTube. Tony, we want to say thank you for coming on the program. Thank you for being a part officially now of the Wrestle Talk family. And like I said, 
On behalf of myself, Nightmare Jones, who's not with us tonight, the Night Owl, Renee Martinez, we want to make it a point sooner rather than later to have you come back and tell you tell some more of those great stories, WWF and countless other stories about the world of professional wrestling. Tony, oh, yeah, thank you very much for coming on the program. Tony. No, yeah, I agree. You know we, we need a verbal commitment, Tony. We need you to verbally commit to come back on the show, bro. I, I feel mean, like we've got so guys, much. I had fun today. I actually I do radio shows all the time, local radio shows and this type of I actually had fun today because <laughs> you guys are so you guys don't seem uptight or loose or having fun. We're just talking. I don't have to we're just talking and we're and we're having a good time. I'll come back. You guys just let me know and I'm there. Yes. Awesome. Awesome. Uh well I'll say this. Ladies and gentlemen, that is what we continue to bring to the table here on the Wrestle Talk podcast. Uh, Skywalker, overall, man, your thoughts on the show, and uh, let's go ahead and say goodnight to Tony, man, so we can close this thing out officially. Well, like I said, right now, first of all, thank you very much, Tony, for joining us. I got to tell you right now, Renee, from top to bottom, a great show. We had Hank Hudson. We had the High Spot segment. We had the FWWC. We had Tony Danucci on the program. I got to tell you right now, Renee, everything has gone has been an awesome show tonight. But you know, there's one thing that's missing. If we're gonna if we're gonna go ahead and wrap up episode 303 of the Russell Talk podcast, we got a lot of great guests coming up as we showcase and in, in the upcoming weeks continue to showcase professional wrestling throughout the uh, United States of America. I got to tell you, great interviews tonight, great time here tonight, and thank you for having me on the program. But there's one thing that's missing, and I know for a fact that he's enjoying his anniversary tonight, but one thing that's really missing to me here is Nightmare Jones. And I think tonight, if we're going to wrap up the program here, and I know for a fact everybody can catch us, WrestleTalkPodcast.com. You can check us on Facebook and Twitter, all those great places. I think tonight... With everything that's gone on and everything that we've had here on the Russell Talk Podcast, I think tonight, to close out the show, I think, and intern Timmy's told me that he's got a special musical selection that he'd like to play tonight to wrap up tonight's show. And, and like I said, I hope everybody makes it a point next week right here, WrestleTalkPodcast.com, social media, Facebook, Twitter. Make sure to tell your friends, your family, tell everybody you know. It's going to be a great show next week. Uh, Renee, you got anything else tonight? That's it, man. One final thank you to our wonderful guests, the, the, the great uh, members of the FWWC, all our uh, terrific sponsors, uh, Interstate 70 Sports Media, uh, the Rathbum Engraving Company. That's Rathbun Engraving, helping us with all our WrestleTalk podcast mugs. Go over to WrestleTalkPodcast.com, uh, shoot us a DM, and go ahead and start customizing your mug today. Also, eSports. Talking Dynasty, The Conspiracy Farm, Royal Mills Transportation, and every single last member of the WrestleTalk family. We love you, we thank you, and we will catch you next week. We are out!